We are live. All right. Welcome to the Jonathan Kogan Show, everybody. We got a special guest today. I'm actually super excited about this. I'm glad he said yes. We have Dave Collum on. Uh, Dave, thanks for thanks for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it. Happy to chat with you. And if you want to load it on the internet, that's fine too. Cool. Um, well, actually, I'm a big believer that uh, Elon's going to compete with YouTube with like Twitter videos and creator monetization. Yeah, so I'm posting all I these videos. So. I I saw he's I embedding so. something with coins with, uh, you know, Mario Nafal, who does the live spaces. He was mm-hmm. like reporting on that, which has also been great. There's been some great discussions there, actually. For the first time, there's been something mm-hmm. called debate, something we lost. So um, I guess just start off for the four people out there that don't know who you are. How do you describe yourself? Who are you? Uh, well, I'm an organic chemist who kind of followed a tortured path to get to where I am now. So, you know, I warn people, if you have kids and you're worried about them, just wait, because you don't know where they're going to end up at all. Um, and so I started out as a genetics major, decided I liked organic chemistry better, went off to grad school at Columbia to be an organic chemist. And then, uh, and then what gets the two of us connected is in the, by the way, I'm, I'm going to cough and shit. I got some sort of COVID like thing. Yeah. You sound terrible, but it's okay. The, uh, the, uh, but I don't have a snoring dog on my lap. That's good. Um, <laughs> I'd say the early nineties as a boomer with some accrued wealth, I started paying attention to markets and by mid 98, I realized that the markets were showing bad signs based on historical records. So I made some contrarian moves that worked out really well. I, by mid 99, I had exited equities and, and uh, gone into gold and cash and shorts. And I, I rode those. I got rid of the shorts pretty quickly because I, I shouldn't be shorting. Um, it was kind of a market neutralizing position, actually. And um, then I held the gold the whole way, buying it up until around 457 might have been the last big purchase and then, then bought a bunch in the 1200s and then uh i also in 01 bought uh an attempt to hedge inflation i piled into uh, energy-based mutual funds and what i didn't know at the time is i was catching the wave of the next commodity cycle so my best decade my best decade in absolute dollars was the 90s where i had a hundred percent year right one or two of those but but the best decade on a, graded on a curve like we do in college was, was the knots, where, where most people were getting clobbered by two severe bear markets. I compounded 13% a year. Huh. And, uh, and then I was one of the five guys who completely missed the rage of the, the, the teens, where the Fed uh, drove the markets up with unlimited money printing, uh, unimaginable. And compounded a mediocre 4%. And, uh, but in any event, it was in the mid-90s that I became interested in market structure, things like that. And, I st- and it, it immediately takes you to history, media takes you to geopolitics. And so around 2010, I started writing about geopolitical events, and then they got kind of weirder and weirder and weirder. And every time I peel back a layer of the onion, I go, whoa. What the hell is that? What am I looking at here? So I am convinced that there's there's absolutely nothing happening in the world today that isn't screwed up. I should ask you, you want this GPMRX triple X rated? What do you want? I can drop more F bombs than Chris Irons, or I can I can I, I can, we, we, I can 
we shoot for authenticity. So there's no rules here. It's just to be as authentic as possible. So roll however you want. I, I just don't want to get you in trouble. You'll probably get me in trouble, but that's okay. I've already had two YouTube accounts. We're on the third one, but that's okay. We're, we're beating the okay. system. We're getting around it. Okay. And we're ba- we're bullish on Rumble. Um, so, well, I, uh, there's a million. The future. That's where people are going to Rumble. For sure. I guess what's happening now is a lot of creators that are focused on like more politics and news are going there first. And then there'll be a lag until creators that don't need to leave YouTube will also go there. But it's growing so quickly. And Chris, I believe, is the CEO. He's doing a great job. They have a great strategy. I didn't mean to get into this. But they're actually paying creators for exclusive content like Russell Brand, like Glenn Greenwald. People are trying to tell the truth, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good idea. That is a – Kim Iverson's another one. Really, really smart. That's kind of the Rogan model, right? Rogan, the Rogan model. He got bribed to go to Spotify. He got bribed enormously, right? Yeah, 150 crazy timing too. And he wasn't canceled, but he was almost canceled with the McCullough interview. All that stuff's crazy. Um, so there's a million things to go. Also, if mine disconnects, just keep talking. Not a big deal. And I'll load. I'll come back on if I have an internet issue. But um, so you, there's a lot of. So first of all, I, I just want to ask, with the investing in the past, how much would you contribute to luck versus? you know, your research and all that stuff. Like, is there any component? Is there a huge component that's luck with that stuff? Having great what returns? luck? Oh, there's a ton. Like what percentage? Well, it's hard to say, but I can tell you there's one thing that I do that made the luck more probable. <laughs> um, okay. Chance favors the prepared mind, right? Um, as a chemist, I study very complicated things that no one else wanted to study. I was told I would fail. There was all sorts of things. I, I had 42 straight years of success. Um, <laughs> as of yesterday, we yet again got data that showed that, that one of the more well-known Nobel Prizes in chemistry turns out to be somewhat full of crap. And, and it just it keeps surprising me uh, how often this happens. But what it did is when I moved over to other arenas, um, it gave me the ability to say, look, I know dozens of famous chemists absolutely trying to get it right who got it wrong, way wrong sometimes, way wrong sometimes. And so I can look at a dozen central bankers who say, this is the way the world works. And I can look at them and go, I think you're wrong. Very few people have the capacity to do that without it just being a philosophical, I'm just going to oppose everything, right? like a two-year-old saying no to everything. Um, so I, I'm a non-believer in experts. And that's a kind of a Feynman thing, right? Feynman was that. So I think when you study things that show that the world is different than you thought, you quickly learn that credential experts can be pathetically bad. And, and they're tr- some of them are trying. Modern era, the stuff we write about, the stuff you and I chatted about before, they're trying to get it wrong. So how do you defend against that? So if their lips are moving, they're lying, right? It's that simple. Hundred percent, and so th- that's the first thing I wanted to ask you. So we talked about this before or briefly, but I think you were on the Jay Martin show and said this. You were like, "There's, there's been an incredible gift that's been given to independent media to creators like myself and others." That, and it, it, it just shocks me that there's actually a gap, an economic gap in the marketplace for you to make a lot of money by actually telling you the truth. Like I would get, I would understand if the incentive was, if you lie more, you will make more money, but it's actually the inverse. If you tell the truth, you'll make more money now. In my opinion, unless people are still. Well, I don't know about more money, but it's a wide open niche. I don't know about the economics of lying versus, versus telling the truth. But what I can tell you is the world is starved for truth. 
So I will read anything. I will listen to Bill Maher, even though half the stuff he says is crap. I will listen to Tucker Carlson. I think Bill Maher and Tucker Carlson are kind of the same mold. It's not willing to cross the midline and say stuff that appalls their listeners. Well, I don't think it's a Republican Democrat thing anymore. I think we're way past that. I really, it's just elites and peasants in my view. Those are the only two parties there are. And Tucker will tell the truth. And Bill Maher will tell the truth on things. Russell Brand, Gun Greenwald, there's, there's a bunch of people and you kind of know who they are if you're searching for it. So I guess two questions. Did you know that we were being lied to by about pretty much everything? And when did you come to that realization? Did you know this? For, like you're on probably the 15th hole of life and I'm on like the eighth. So like when did you realize that everything that you've been told in the mainstream media is literally the opposite of the truth? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a path, right? Freshman year of college, Mark Lane came to Cornell and gave a talk. You probably don't know Mark Lane. I have no idea. Mark Lane was Oswald's lawyer. Oh, okay. Mark Lane oh. was an elite lawyer. He is one of these big gigs to defend Oswald. And he gave a talk, and he talked about how Oswald didn't do it. And he also said that he was hired by the Kennedy family. Well, and that was the eye popper for me. And there was no reason to doubt him. There was, he was just, he was like the equivalent of, you know, we know the famous lawyers of today. He was that guy. And um, so in my head, I'm going, okay, there's something going on there. Um, I think there were other, I mean, clearly, if you study markets, you listen to CNBC, you realize that there's just a whole lot of crap everywhere. So yeah, it's easy to see that. But, but I think a next big jump for me was when a physicist friend of mine sent me um, video footage of Building 7 collapsing. And I had not paid any attention to 9-11, the theories behind it, anything like that. I really wasn't a deep, I'm a conspiracy theorist. We should all be conspiracy theorists. In fact, what I will tell you is we are all conspiracy theorists. But there's there's a small percentage of us who, not only wear that badge with honor because what you're saying is you're trying to find out where the known liars are lying and that's that's what a conspiracy theorist is and and if you say you're not a conspiracy theorist then i i did a tweet one day that went viral where i said i'm a conspiracy theorist i believe that men and women of wealth and power conspire where in history is that not true right (laughs) and then i said if you don't you're what's called an idiot and then I said, and if you do, but you don't say anything, you're what's called a coward. So we should all be conspiracy theorists. You don't have to sign off on Area 51. I, you know, there's a lot of crap out there. I, by the way, had my cage rattled a little bit, even on things like the moon landing. But it's not <laughs> something I care enough about. So, um, well, there's idiosyncrasies of the moon landing where you go. For sure. Here's, I, I can tell you what it is. I don't care, right? But what's always bothered me the whole time is the photos. Just go to go to go to Google, Google the moon landing, and then and then take look at all the photos of the flag waving. The flag—that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's yeah. that, that's one of those that's wrong. And then I thought, well, maybe they create. They said, look, there's going to be no way to wave the flag, so we'll create a flag that looks like it's waving. Right? That's no brainer. But you look at the different pictures, and there's different positions the flag's in. It's waving. I mean, would it even surprise you at this point if that was fake? I mean, in all honesty, I no, know you just don't care. I mean, it, would bo- it would bother me 
it would bother me at some level because it was such a heroic thing to achieve. That to to right. undermine that one's troubling to me, right? That's a, it's like if you find out the Salk vaccine was wrong, you know, that sort of thing. I, I don't know. It would bother me. Otherwise, I don't care. 9-11, um, as soon as I saw Building 7 collapse, I have a friend who shall remain nameless because I don't like to name names unless it's important to the story. Wall Street, former Goldman guy, who, who I've been good friends with and met up with a number of times. People are my bucket list, not, not things, not places, people. I like that. And, um, and he said that he lost tons of friends in 9-11. He said, if you said 9-11 was inside job or whatever, uh, he said, I would have punched your lights out. And he said, then friends of his who he really trusted said, no, you have to watch this. And so I spent plenty of hours watching Building 7 and watching the Pentagon and you know, all the stories. There's, a, there's, about, there's about 500 smoking guns that don't make the case, but Building 7 flat out makes the case. Building, I, I don't know physics like a physicist, but I do understand the basic principles of physics. And Building 7 defies those principles, period. Is that the one that went st- straight down? That didn't get hit by a plane. That yeah, like the bombs inside, and it looked like one or two fire units could have taken out the fires and dealt with it. I mean, it, it just and all of a sudden it just went free fall speed from from top to bottom. If it was a demo, the guy should get a bonus check that because it was a perfect <laughs> demo. And then there was all sorts of other things in the story, and so by the time you're done, you've paid attention to the whole story, and you find that there here's a panel of. 20 aeronautical engineers all saying that the thing that hit the Pentagon, officially doing a 270, doing 540 knots. These aeronautical engineers say that plane would have ripped to shreds at sea level, flying that path. And then they bring in a bunch of jumbo jet pilots. They say, not in my life could I have flown that path. You know, there's just, the, the new Pearl Harbor is a great documentary. If, if somehow this is all breaking your Busting your chops and you're you're having trouble. The new book is probably the best of all the documentaries on 9/11 truthers. So if I had to bet a million dollars right now as 9/11 inside job, I would comfortably bet yes. Yeah, I mean I and, and, and it would take a lot to knock me off that at this point because of there were guys who came out of the sub basement at the towers. Instead, there were explosions all around me. I was getting slammed against the wall. This is right on the spot. This is like an hour after the plane's hit. Right. And then These it guys are talking about their experience. You know, so there's a million, million things that were wrong. But Building 7 is, I talked to a guy who worked anti-terrorism in the, in the Treasury for four years, former Fidelity fund manager, and he was to track money. Now, money isn't buildings. But if you're wallowing in anti-terrorism because of 9-11, you will have been exposed to a lot of this chatter, right? Sure. And he said, of course, it was an inside job. Oh, God. Right. So So, he's not an expert, so he could be wrong, too. Right. I mean, I was so young at that point. I didn't even – like, nothing even – crossed my mind about being i never even thought of looking into anything like conspiracy until like really until 2020 and things just went haywire well so covid is going to be a, a historical break point i'm in a doctor zoom group and we uh i came and went i found they, they were meeting twice a week for like five hours at a time 
I mean, this, my wife was going to divorce. Is that too much for you? For one Zoom group on a Sunday afternoon? <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, have, I have other crazy shit to worry about. <laughs> but they invited every anti-vaxxer and every anti-COVID person known to man into this Zoom group. And I don't know how the guy did it. He must have networked well. But, you know, Kennedy, Scott Atlas, McCullough, Malone, you name it, everyone, hundreds of them by the time they were done. Archbishop Vigano, you know. Bhattacharya? What's that? Jay Bhattacharya. I don't know if Bhattacharya made it or not. He was on the show before. He's a good guy. Yeah, I know. And he's now getting militant. Yeah. He's yeah, he's doing great. Darker. Doing so great. The, the COVID battle, battlers uh, have all gone down the rabbit hole. And they're no longer just sitting there saying, okay, you guys blew the lockdown. They're seeing, they're seeing foot zombies walking the earth right with the exception of and i thought he was this way too but in a recent recent twitter spaces where they were all there and they talked about censorship it was an amazing twitter space about four days ago i think i was there and and i heard malone saying you know the these these particular theories are not constructive and i'm going i I think you believed those before. I think you're saying we should just not go there right now. I wasn't sure. But 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 I feel bad for the COVID awakening. Because, what do you mean? Well, these doctors thought we lived in a totally rational world. Along comes COVID. And with <laughs> in an area they know something about, they've often discovered that, that not only is everything you're being told wrong, that there's a rising authoritarianism. There's evil people doing things that are horrific. Um, this this shattered their world in one swipe, and so um, and so now I was gonna twice I raised my hand in the thing, but but then they started doing the roundup. At the end of the Twitter spaces started doing the sort of self congratulatory roundup, and I pulled my hand out because they didn't want to hear more more details this was this was the this was the music being played right and, um, but i was going to say but don't forget now everyone is doing this precisely in the whole world every single area whether it's the laptop whether it's the voting whether it's ukraine every single area has got this level of crap it's crazy it's crazy i, I can't name for you one that doesn't have this level of crap in it. But was that the turning point for you? Like, did you did you not know how, how extreme it was? Is that just what it, the degree? Because I had written about... Because you're in academia. You know, you're kind of... But, you're in the world I that's mean, kind of I'm hijacked. In academia, right? I don't, I, don't okay. see, I don't see the guys in the art squad. Cornell looks completely normal to me from my perspective. Except oh, wow. the year I got canceled and then it got a little dicey, but that's besides that. Um... Cornell seems like a very rational place to me. Did you guys hire Hillary Clinton? Was that you guys? So. Someone hired her as a professor. Is Columbia or Cornell? I forget which ones. Okay. They would do it there because that's where they, uh, that's the hub of their crime family. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, and Bill can still have his offices in the Harlem and Hillary can go to Columbia. And, you know, no, that's one of Columbia's advantages. Like the Biden Penn Center at Penn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, uh, I wrote about 
the Las Vegas shootings, they were from head to toe wrong, from head to toe. They were yeah. not a story that made sense, but there were just things that didn't fit in. The entire story is gone. Not, nothing. I, I can't identify any aspect of the narrative that I could say, well, at least that part's true. Nothing. Nothing. Um, so that doesn't help. Uh, I was Ron Paul's. I was an endorser on Ron Paul's homepage in 08. I get that. I wrote something to Lou Rockwell. And then he, he said, give me a quote. And he, I gave it to him, and he sent it off and put it on Ron Paul's website. And so I was a page endorser. And, uh, and then I proceeded to watch him run against the machine. And even like Fox News, for example, would not mention his name. He'd take second place in the primary, and they talk about the 101, and then they say, but, you know, that's a pretty credible performance, but, and then they name the third person. And so it was clear that he was completely blackballed. Oh, for sure. So things like that just keep cropping up. And then, and then what I think COVID did is it cemented the idea that the media is 100% bought and paid for. And it's almost not their fault in that their entire business model collapsed with the appearance of the internet. So they had to reinvent themselves. Is that what it so was? Or do you think, or do you think the fundamental yeah. business model of advertising doesn't work for telling news? I, I think the internet made information. I can write an article. I can write a story and send it off to Barron's and they might publish it. Right. Right. So the whole idea of these super organizations that put together the front page of the New York times. Now the articles are just being sent by some electronic mechanism and some, some intern is popping it right up on the New York Times, you know, paying no attention to what's in it. And so I think the entire business model collapsed with the, there, there's a million people who could write phenomenal stories for free. That's a collapsed business model. Right? And so they, they turned to propaganda. They just sold themselves. They be, it's like a crackhead decides prostitution is the only way. Right? Same thing. And also like an Operation Mockingbird has been going on for a while. We're... Yeah, yeah. But that was, so Mockingbird being the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the authorities working with the media to make sure that the narrative, that's been going on for decades. And we, we did it uh, probably every morning. Probably every morning. You know, I asked one of my Jewish colleagues why, when did the Jews start getting hammered? Right? That's an interesting question. And, and oftentimes you get answers that don't seem satisfying. He actually said, um, he said, oh, it's not going to come to me, but it's a fa- one of the famous emperors and kicked the shit out of the Jews. And it was a little too gruesome. And that happened all the time. And, and you know, it's like 200 AD. Um, God, I wish I could remember his name because I used to know. And uh, to defend himself, he marketed the Jews as these subhuman characters. And according to my Jewish colleague, who seemed to have paid attention to this stuff, that from that point on, they just sort of dusted off the Jew playbook. And so they were, and, and, and I, think, I think the Jewish culture, by virtue of the fact that they, they overtly 
did not assimilate, right? They were trying to mm-hmm. preserve what being Jewish means. Made them perfect targets, too. And then, of course, there's the theory that uh, that because the Jews were discriminated against, um, they had to hold what were considered tasteless jobs like banking, where where usury was just disgusting, so let the low-life Jews do it, right? <laughs> the Jews being smart as shit go, eh, we'll do it, whatever, you know. Um, there's arguments out there made that there was a strong selection pressure for brains. They had to live on brains more than brawn, and an era where brawn was a big winner. And in fact, there's people who say that if you track down distinct signs of intelligence. Now, I know Jews who do not like to be flattered by saying you're smart. And it didn't click until I realized that every time someone says you guys are different, they end up getting their ass kicked, right? <laughs> I'm Jewish. Well. And I know. I, I, yeah, go ahead. And uh, in fact, Dave Chappelle said it beautifully when he was talking he, about Kanye. He said, you, know, you saw that where he says, he, Kanye has to be told that you never put the two words, the and Jews, Jews together, <laughs> right? He says nothing good comes of that, right? It was a brilliant cop comedic sketch. And he even got cut for that sketch. I'm going, oh, man, that was comedy of a higher order, right? It was, it was good. I thought it was good. It turns out there's three tribes of Judaism. You, you tell me, because I'm a kind of a, I'm a weird non-atheist atheist. I don't know what you call me. Um, but when you trace the, the genius heritages, the Ashkenazis are, are the source of it. So you trace all the physics Nobel Prizes where there's just, choose as far as the eye can see, right? You go, you know, oh, maybe they just work hard. I go, you know, this guy, taught himself calculus when he was nine years old. This is this is not just working hard. When I was nine years old, I was still in Poland, right? I, no, there's nothing wrong here. Um, and it traces specifically to the Ashkenazis. Now, I don't know why, but I am a huge fan of evolutionary biology. So people can get upset that I talk about different groups having different traits, but sorry. You know, as someone said the other day, and I thought it was great, they said, with respect to your triggers, is not the world's job to tiptoe around your your frailties. And I absolutely believe that. If I offend you, shut down the podcast. Isn't that why we need censorship, though? Don't we need censorship to protect the vulnerable against you know mean words? Yeah. Isn't that a good thing? Hammer them in that forehead with a mallet and say, which is worse? <laughs> your sensibilities being hurt or your forehead getting smacked? <laughs> make, make the choice. No, we don't need censorship. I, I could be convinced that there's ever so minor, there's ever so specific situations where censorship serves a purpose. But then the question is, who do you give the power to do it? The federal government. And that's why it doesn't work. <laughs> that's what the head of the Rolling Stones said. If there was a, if there was a wise authority like um, Solomon, right. who probably a douchebag, we just hear the good stuff. But, uh, and maybe, but but it, it never works when you when you play through censorship and ask, okay, where does it take you? It never works. It's like uh, it's like socialism. It just never works. Never works. And we know that, but we keep forgetting it. And for some reason, breast cancer is traced back to Ashkenazi Jews. For some reason, like all women, it's very prevalent. Yeah, breast cancer is huge with Ashkenazi. They they carry a gene. That makes it more, pre- whether that was put in there by other people, you know, like a little 
gene type thing that went on in the past. I don't know. But yeah, if you're an Ashkenazi Jew woman, breast cancer, you're, you're, you're probably getting breast cancer is like literally a thousand X of, of all other women. That's sort of like uh, Huntington's disease traces back to England. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, um, well, okay. So if someone's listening to this for the first time and they're just realizing everything, they should question things. And I believe in your write-up, you said, and you said it now, identify as a conspiracy theorist and your pronouns are they lied. Just like Elon's were prosecute Fauci and Fauci was actually just interviewed on what, like CBS or something. And he said, they asked him, Hey, Fauci, uh, why did, you know why Elon said prosecute Fauci? He goes, I have no idea. I have no clue why he would say that. We, we have no idea. It's just you weird. There's always conspiracy theorists out there. Oh. Well, Can you hear me okay? A pathological liar. Yeah, I can now. Fauci's a pathological liar who really should be taken to the Hague. Um, you don't think he's, he's a hero? A, he's a sick bastard. He's a totally sick bastard. So for those who wonder how I can possibly say that, go read the real Anthony Fauci. Kennedy's book. You can't get 100 pages into Kennedy's book without having heart palpitations. It's a tough Kennedy's read. He's been bird-dogging Fauci for 30 years. And he was on our Zoom group. He has an army of lawyers, an army of fact checkers, an army of everything imaginable. I have yet to read a takedown of his book. He, Fauci could sue him for defamation if it's a lot, yes. and he's never sued him. Yeah. And he calls him out. He says, if you know something we says wrong, and the only takedowns I saw was someone saying, well, your plot on page 82, use this axis, and just really trivial stuff. So Fauci, if you read the real Anthony Fauci, you will realize that he is Dr. Mengele. He has been so for 30 years. He's just a power-hungry SOB. Uh, he is, he is, um, he's evil from head to toe, head to toe. And did you know that during the AIDS epidemic and all that, or just recently? I was starting to pick it up. My, my spidey sense during 2020 so for me, the epiphany of 2020, two things happened um, almost simultaneously. So I was picking up all the things that troubled me. But I wrote about the COVID pandemic. I didn't know the AIDS story. I wrote about the COVID pandemic in sort of fall of 2020. I hadn't picked up on the role of HCQ and ivermectin correctly. And I wrote about ivermectin and HCQ and how they work and stuff like that. And, and I didn't quite understand. I thought that the sh slamming of HCQ was basically anti-Trump. And so I actually thought that at least now that the elections are passed, we can start addressing this problem in earnest. And, I, and then someone... And I don't think I got anything wrong. I just didn't have a whole story. Someone sent me an email and said, you're missing a critical part of the story. And that is, so the vaccines were about to pop out. And he, he, he did a screen grab of federal law that, that showed me that you cannot release a vaccine under emergency use unless there is no alternative. Correct. That's when I, when I first got wind of the fact that they were uh, psychopaths. I go, oh, unbelievable that they did that. Unbelievable. Roundup about I really have a terrible frontier justice streak in me. My brother has it, my cousin has it, it's genetic. I don't know. We would have done well in a period in history where you accomplished these. We would have gotten, <laughs> gotten. Uh, 
the same time they release the vaccine, I could even be off by a year here. It's that for, uh, blurry at this point. But five days after they release the vaccine, which I must confess is that, well, at least we're going to vaccinate. We're going to get out of this, whatever. I, I didn't think the MR. Now, I'd already been told in January of 2000 by a microbial geneticist who was my former student that the Moderna guys were shysters. So Moderna was already on people's lips, and he said, oh, the Moderna guys, oh, my God, don't go there. So I dug, I dig, I dug way back on Moderna, and Moderna was uh, Theranos 2.0. Moderna was a scam operation. And, and you read articles from 16, 17, 18, the Wall Street guys don't like it at all. You know why they went to vaccines? They went to vaccines because the nanoparticle technology is too toxic. And so they were looking for a single dose application of their mRNA technology. And Wall Street hated that because they thought Moderna was going to be jabbing people once a month with something that they benefit from. And so that was bad news for Wall Street. So, but they were also, they, they, this, my, my student told me that, that uh, what's his face, the CEO, Banzel. couldn't trust him. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't trust him as far as you can throw him. And this guy's a Harvard geneticist. So in the Boston area, he had a terrible rep. So I picked that up fast. Um, five days after the vaccine got released, I think it was the FDA or CDC, probably the FDA, put out a tweet, which I immediately went to the website to make sure it wasn't a Photoshop, that said, we have no data, but we see no reason why pregnant women shouldn't get vaccinated. And I go, psychopaths. Pregnant women should never do anything experimental. We know that. Thalidomide taught us that. If you have a, need a painkiller, take an aspirin, take a Tylenol. Don't take some new thing coming out of Pfizer's basement, right? You don't go near your cat boxes. There's fungi in there that cause trouble. You eat well. You do your best to stay away from all environmental toxins. And they said, take the vaccine. It got super psychopathic in the last clause when they said, you could talk to your doctor, but there's no reason to. And the reason to would be because your doctor would say, what the hell are you thinking of? Are you out of your mind? But soon they had the doctor so intimidated that they started recommending it. I talked to a physician's assistant yesterday, and her, she's gay. It was a real shame. It's hotter than a pistol. So I'm going, oh, the guy's <laughs> lost a big one there. Um, how you find out your physician's assistant's a lesbian in a doctor's appointment right then. But I get there. I get them all there. Totally normal. Totally normal, yeah. And, uh, and she said that her wife got vaccinated 36 weeks. And oh she was God. horrified, but she didn't want to tell her not to. And so, uh, so they, they totally, totally intimidated the medical community. But, but I, I'm torn because you got the guys at the top who knew. Hang them from the neck until death. They're easy. You got the guys at the bottom who are just ignorant. And the people who think accredited, credentialed authorities are your best source of information. But that's and, an excuse. And, Obedience is an excuse. Like my, my brother. If, if, if you've lived your whole life in which the med, you believe the medical community is trying to get it right, 
than to take their advice. Is that crazy? Now, what I've learned in the last two years is not only that wrong, but that the, um, the drug approval system, the FDA drug approval system is completely broken. It has been obliterated by special interest groups. So, for example, uh, if you really want to read about this, if you're going to skip the real Anthony Fauci, read John Abramson's book, Sickening. And he describes in lurid detail drugs that are familiar to all of us, how they faked the clinical trials. And things, let me give you just one example Neurontin. My wife took it, didn't do any good. Neurontin was cleared for shingles, painful. Now, heaven only knows if, if they faked that trial, but let's assume they didn't, but it was cleared for shingles. One of the tricks they do is they give you so much that you can tell you got the drug instead of placebo. And then they hope the placebo effect will say, yeah, you know, I think it's feeling better. You're hoping it's feeling better. Of course. That's a strong effect. Everyone knows that's a strong effect. So you can get statistics. Then they have statisticians who can turn dog shit into lemonade. So 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 you can fake clinical trials easily. So neuron, they decided they're going after neuropathic pain, generalized neuropathic pain, which is a huge nut to crack. It's a big one. I, by the way, in case you're wondering, I consulted for Pfizer for 20 years. I was a, an editor of a journal for 20 years. I was on a five scientists long range steering committee for Merck. And they gave talks inside every major That doesn't make me knowledgeable, but it, it, it gives me some sort of leg to stand on. I never saw this corruption because the corruption is at the clinical trial level. I would never see that. So what happened is they, they test neuron for generalized neuropathic pain. They get zero, no signal at all. So they call in an external panel of experts and say, make lemonade out of lemons here, find a way. They plowed through and they're massaging the data, trying to find a way, oh, if we process the data this way, now there's a signal. <laughs> they do that, it's that bad, actually. Uh, in fact, a lot of clinical trials are done by fly-by-night com companies. So you hire a company to do the clinical trial. That company knows that if you give them bad data, they're not going to rehire you. They have cleanup teams for their own data. The company will give you good clinical data. So the incentives are all screwed up. Because the incentives are all complete, just like the bond rating agencies, right? They rate yeah. bonds horribly, right? So in any event, um, clinical trials show zero signal. So then they approach the FDA informally, and the FDA says, don't even think about it. Which, thank God. Because two years ago, they cleared a drug where the panel said, no way, and the FDA still cleared the drug. The entire panel said, no way. I remember that. Biogen, right? And now there's, they're actually investigating it. Right? right. They should investigate the whole damn system. So they hire a couple of academics in med schools who pay their, not only their research bills, but they pay their own salaries with research grants. So if they don't get the grants, they don't pay the mortgage. So they hire these clinical trial docs and they get them to write papers about how promising neuron is about generalized neuropathic pain. And they buy a million reprints. Now reprints, you probably pay a buck a piece to a journal publisher, a million dollars is real money. 
and then they pass them out to doctors. So now the multi-billion dollar drug, Neurontin, 98% of the sales is off-label generalized neuropathic pain. Right now. They'll take a drug that's going off patent, and they'll add Tylenol and repatent it and put it back on label. What I do, here's what I beg, beg consumers and doctors to do is stop letting prescriptions straight to uh, on patent drugs. Stop that. So, for example, here's a great example. I talked to a diabetic the other day, and I couldn't get, I wasn't getting good answers. We've been treating diabetes for many years. We've been, we've been rolling insulin uh, treatments on back off patent for years. So originally it came out of, you know, pig, pig organs or something. But then they came up with a molecular biological approach to make it. And let's assume it gets better. But you hear people who are dying because they're underdosing because they can't afford it because they're price gouging. You go online and search the cost of insulin. If you use something like, I think it's called Novamax or something close. I'm not quite right, but something like that. Costs you about a hundred bucks a year, I think. <laughs> I tell you, when I needed ivermectin, I sent to India. I got ivermectin for like 15 bucks. So if you go to India and you order um, insulin, good for some. So consumers are letting doctors sending them into the expensive stuff. Somehow there's people who are actually not taking the expensive stuff because they don't realize there's the cheap stuff. And then someone said, well, some slow acting and others long acting and therefore there's a magical. But it's better than dying. Right? So if you're broke, you buy the fast acting. Yeah. You eat too much pasta, you jab yourself. <laughs> right? So someone who's diabetic, reach out to me and tell me why this model is wrong. But there's a lot of generic insulin out there that doesn't cost that much. But yeah. we're hearing about the horrors of the ones that do. So of course. So the doctor, they prescribe something. Get a generic antibiotic. Get a get generic whatever. Ask the doctor. Do it for the team, right? Even if you have insurance. You know, I, I doxycycline, which I bought a lot from India, right? Um, was actually quite expensive on, on patent. I, we went to a vet. The vet said, I could give you a prescription, but here's, here's where you go get the doc, doxycycline. Um, and uh, I bought probably five courses of doxycycline for probably 30 bucks. I keep doxycycline, azithromycin, and amoxicillin in my house. Sure. Why do I need to go to a doctor if I've got a sinus infection? Just start taking the shit. I just don't think most people think like that. And also, isn't the chain a little bit higher? Isn't it the reason perhaps that the big pharma is paying the doctors to then promote that on brand one and then they get a kickback? And so that's why. That's not supposed to exist. It might be happening, but they cleaned up a lot of the overt shit. They used to send doctors on junkets to the Bahamas and stuff. I mean, it's really. With the opiate yeah. epidemic, there were like strippers that went to the office. Right. But I think I read Dope Sick. Yeah. And. I didn't think that Dopesick was completely truthful either. Oh, really? Yeah. And part of the problem I had with Dopesick, uh, my personal experience with painkillers, my wife has had health problems for 32 years. My wife has been taking serious pain meds like Dilaudid 
Oh, wow. 32 years. She's on liquid morphine at one point. Yeah, that's strong stuff. She's never a junkie. She was never a junkie. That's amazing. So, so she can, like, if she's in a period where her pain's low, she'll get a prescription for Dilaudid, and she'll, it'll take two months to use it up. Right now, she's sitting at home with a fucking broken neck. She's, she's eating the Dilaudid pretty fast. She tripped and fell, whacked her head. Yeah, I'm sorry. Time. Holy Jesus. Right yeah, don't people who, who surround themselves with you break their necks? Isn't that a thing? Yeah, my mother broke her neck, too. It's, it's, and they should be. <laughs> the story I like to tell is when we're in the... My wife's had 60 surgeries. 60. Oh, my. Oh, my God. That's the number, actually. And I'm not talking about someone stitched up her finger in the doctor's office. I'm talking, you know, in the OR surgeries. And and, and she's really a, bio, a biological phenom. Um, and and when you go into the ER now, which I did as of uh, a month and a half ago when she broke her neck, pre-Christmas, um, they, by law, have to ask you, do you feel safe at home? <laughs> <laughs> normal response. I'm sitting in a chair. They're asking her questions. One of the reasons I go and pay attention is because you don't want to go to jail. my wife, if they say, "How much does it hurt?" She won't mess up. Oh, she's a kid. So, so pull out some limb or something, and they go, "Does that hurt?" And I'd see her grimace and say, "No." <laughs> I go, she just grimaced. What, what the hell are you talking about? She said, well, it hurt. I go, that was the question. <laughs> right? She'll not want to talk about stuff. I go, Candace, we're paying a doctor to help you. Don't hold back. Right? Don't hold back. But it's so complicated now. Most doctors are head spinning by the time they get out of the office. But uh, normally my response is, when they ask that question, I'm sitting off in the corner, but I'm, I'm off and answering questions. She'll say something. I go, no, no, no. Here's the answer. <laughs> Normally, when they ask a question, I say, you know, I'm sitting right here. Go, if she's unsafe at home, I'm the guy beating her. <laughs> and they laugh and say, we have to ask. This time I said, look at her. Does she look safe at home? <laughs> Hopefully she's not too sarcastic. It could get you in trouble. Um, well, I've so always done that. It's got me out of a lot. One time I was trying to cross a border without a, without a, passport. It was Canadian. I had always driven over. And this time I flew over and I didn't, I hadn't thought about the fact that I actually need a passport. The lady's toying with what to do with me. My first joke was, would a YMCA shark card do it? <laughs> she says, you know, that proof of citizenship, right? And then she's looking at it and thinking, and I go, I guess it doesn't help that I look like a Colombian drug lord, does it? <laughs> and she, then she let me through. Yeah, of course. Right? Reminded me of a New York <laughs> Times cartoon. Where the guy's standing here doing this to the jury, and he said, would I do this if my client was guilty? <laughs> that's that's a, I mean, life. that's my yeah. life. I, I can relate a little bit. So you talked about ivermectin, and we talked about pandemic. And so I love, I kind of want to bring two other subjects here, which is FTX and Ukraine. Um, so with FTX, you know, I think Sam Bankman-Fried is a, is a noble man who wanted to prevent the next pandemic and was very upset. He wanted to help people and save lives. And so, um, and I know he helped uh, fund. I just want to see your reaction to it. We'll see okay. if you disagree or not. Um, and he funded ivermectin studies, you know, to help 
show that it that it wasn't effective, I believe, um, and you know, help the world. How does all <laughs> you got to be sarcastic? Okay. <laughs> what? You're playing it well, but I'm not letting you get away with this one. Go ahead. Okay, so is there? All right, fine. So I guess first of all, then, do you think there's fraud associated with Sam Bankman-Fried? But the real question is, what goes deeper than that? Like, what is he's? Isn't he a symptom of perhaps a much deeper problem, uh, and which probably goes lower to Ukraine? And is Ukraine even a symptom, or is that the nucleus? Kind of, how do you tie those together? Well, so Sam bankrupt fraud, <laughs> SBF. Um, might be a bit of a victim in this story because he might not have really understood how shark infested the waters were that he was playing in. Now, I Sam, believe that. But what yeah, about his so, parents? Oh, that's the part that I mentioned. His parents let him swim in those shark infested waters, and I don't understand it. And I think they got intoxicated by the power trip themselves or something. Because while he's rotting in jail, which I think he will, or get Epstein, I'm not sure which, um, he's going to get one of the two. Um, they're going to be going, we let this happen to our son. So here, here's what I think happens. Everything points to the fact that, that FTX was from the very beginning a fraud. It was never intended to do anything good. It was meant to be a money laundering scheme. Early successes were too clean, too successful. Too much money showed up mysteriously out of nowhere. And it was just a couple of years ago. Um, I know something about the sociology of crypto. I don't really know crypto, but I've been on a, probably a hundred hodler podcasts. So I, I have been, I've been tutored by, uh, by guys with Bibles under their arms trying to convert me. Um, and so I, I, I think the best model is, is that, um, is that um, FTX was a money laundering scheme for the DNC. And politics in general. So it's not pure DNC, but I think it's DNC. Because if you look at everything he did, it was all DNC stuff. There yep. were some Republicans who got money too. But that's just shut the fuck up money. Same uniparty though, Republican. It's the same thing. I don't, here's what I don't. I don't like the uniparty like McConnell. model. Hell, I hate McConnell. Oh, my God. Bad I guy. don't like the uniparty model because in, I, in our Zoom group, we had an NSA analyst. And he taught me through several discussions that you should do never do anything that shuts down the discussion or thinking. And like, for example, I, we were talking about, you know, who's behind the COVID and this whole thing, who's behind it. And he said, I don't like to name names because as soon as I give you a name, as I say, Bill Gates, you get to say, okay, Bill Gates is evil. Now we understand what's for dinner. Right. He said, I like to think of it as a self-assembling oligarchy. And, it was fascinating to, to discover this guy. So this is a group of about 100. We don't know each other very well. I don't know how I got invited. Someone said, invite Colin. Somehow it'll work. And he starts pontificating about Hegelian philosophy in the middle of a talk one day. And at first I'm going, oh, man, Stephen's gone off the rails on this one. And I'm listening, but it's starting to make sense. And he's starting to, he's telling this narrative. It's getting more and more logical. And then someone says, wait, T.O., are you a philosophy professor? What's going on here? He said, no, actually, I'm a lawyer by training, but I'm a former NSA analyst. And I still do work on the side. And once I say something, you go, I, I can't talk about that. It was totally sincere, I think. He's gone, no, no, no. You're not going to get anything out of me on that one. Um, and he, he, he said, never make something scientific if you don't have to. 
because by making scientific, it excludes 98% of the public. So don't, like this mass psychosis thing that Malone pushed hard. He doesn't, he didn't like that. Because people say, well, I don't know anything about mass psychosis. How about just propaganda? Right? How about just clusterfuck? Just use terms. The average guy goes, I get that. So I learned, for example, uh, to never, try to never draw a conclusion that causes you to stop thinking. Be very careful about that. And, um, and so, uh, and so there are simple answers that, that, um, that don't get you anywhere. So when people say the whole COVID thing's about money, that gets you to stop thinking, right? Right. Because it's simple. You can understand it. And I go, what if it's not about money? What if it's about some geopolitical struggle between China and the West, right? What if it's, who knows, right? There could be a few different factions, right? There could be the geopolitical, and there are, I think there's a diff, I think there's many different groups of these powerful elites. They're not one the cabal. There's self-assembling but, but their end game are slightly different but on the way to get to that end game they can share a lot of the the things along the path like taking advantage of a pandemic and things like that and the money well, so for example wall street during manias which we just finished one yeah it's gonna get ugly um they weren't sitting around colluding on how to screw everyone they just all agreed that they all loved their paychecks and their bonuses. They were making a ton of money, and why not do this? So it was it was the equivalent. I, I, the metaphor I used the year that I talked about this, one of my jobs, I used a starling formation, which are spectacular. These these flocks of starlings, and they form all these shapes, and it looks like an organism. There's no starling in that formation who's in charge. Right. They just all take right. cues from the person right next to them. For sure. Right next to them. And and swarms of fish and stuff, you know, schools of fish. They take cues from each other. It's like the managerial not. class philosophy of like how That's they're right. running everything. No individual, but it's that elite that class. And so corporate culture will quickly hire the right culture, fire the wrong people. And before you know it, you say, Look, you oh, can't right. be here if this is the way you think. Right. It's that simple. Like I think if you go to the top office, you find savage. Right. For, I just, I yeah. Think, you know, I, I hate some of the shows on TV where it's just darkness the whole day. There are a couple of shows where it's just, it really captures. I think, remember the show, the the movie, The Firm? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Same idea. You know, he got in there, found out that it's just all dark. It's just all dark. So I, I think my department, for example, we have, since I was an undergrad here, and I asked a colleague, say, how far back does it go? It goes back further than he told me who he thought did it. Has a phenomenal culture. So we'll interview a bunch of real smart guys. Our goal when we're interviewing is to find the best chemist in the world in, the, in that age bracket, which we're trying to hire out of. And there's just, that's it. But we will not knowingly hire an asshole. The no asshole rule, which is the title of a book, applies. We will not knowingly hire an asshole. If we get win the person an asshole, we will back away because, first of all, there's an error bar who's going to be the best. So there's usually somebody who say, well, we actually kind of like this guy better, but they're an asshole. So we also, one year we interviewed 15 people for about three different lines simultaneously, made no offers. I know of no 
in the who could do that. Why? And my cop, it's so easy to say, well, let's just go for the best guy. We said on an absolute scale, we're just not seeing anyone that, that fits our image of who the hell we want to hire. If you unknowingly hire an asshole and they were, they maybe, you know, they had the most merit, they were the most qualified, but then they turned out to be an asshole, you fire them right away? Have you made no, that mistake? No, no. Okay. That, that ship has kind of sailed. Now, at tenure time, you are evaluated based on your research, your teaching, and your department service, community service. We're not, my department's not really woke yet. I haven't seen serious <laughs> evidence of woke. So if we hire a woman, we think she's going to run, right? We're not checking some box. And there's reasons why women have an advantage because the system's set up to support them. So, so you are rewarded by, if she's an assistant professor, if she's good, she will get the funds. She, the things will work. And, and so, 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 so there is this bait to say she will walk through the door. And, and, but, but we're also looking for, I like to look at a job candidate and say, in this young punk who really is raw, can I picture the future department chair? A person who can run the place. A person who, if I'm in the halls, I want to run into. Right? And you can say, well, then you're going to generate an old voice club. And I go, no, we're just looking for people who aren't assholes. And when I was chair, I was told by the guy who runs the building, right, the non-chemistry side of the world, the bean counting side, he said, you're the best delegator I've ever seen. And I said, well, that's because I'm lazy. <laughs> and he said, no, no, you are. And I said, that's because I'm lazy. So I was, I was associate chair for five years, and I watched the chair do everything she did. And she was very rational, and I was loose cannon. Her <laughs> rational side was too rational, so to have the loose cannon with her as associate chair, the department said, that's a great combo. That's perfect. The associate chair was very rational with the chair loose cannon, right? And, uh, and, and uh, I would hand over the job, say, it's your job. You got the resources to do your job. And if it doesn't work, it's your fuck up. And if it works, I don't have to hear from you. You don't have to explain things to me. You're in charge of running the safety committee. If you need us, let us know. Now, the other thing we used to do, this critical management, I used to read books on management. This is not where this come from. This is Dave concocting how the world ought to work. I would, we'd meet once a week. The, the guy runs the building, the associate chair, and the chair. That didn't used to happen like that. But when I was associate chair, the chair said, well, you can come to the meeting if you want. They meet with Department bean counter said, so, "Oh, you bet." So the three of us, critical odd number three of us, would talk about every problem. Every problem. All this DAs about to get kicked out of the program. We would talk about every problem and make them go away. And we'd get the fires before they turn into an inferno and things like that. The other thing is that my colleagues all knew that any decisions coming out of my office out of that office were made by three people that one. And so it already, they know it was vetted. And we could just say, look, this is a complicated story, but here's what's, good, here's what's happening. We'll get back to you. And they would accept it. There was no, no sense of autocracy. That's great. And so, and so, yeah, we will try to get rid of assholes. If a person's an asshole, they're, they're not worthy of a lifetime appointment. <laughs> 
the no asshole the book, the guy says, look, it's easy to convince yourself that this person is worth that pain. And he says, they're not. Yeah. They're just not. If it's a team sport, right? You know how many athletes you know in pro sports that are just not worth the pain? Oh, it's happened a ton. Yeah. You want a guy who's a team, team player. You want a guy who makes things happen. You want a guy who, who sees the outlet pass. That's been proven over and over, and it always blows my mind. There's some really skilled people, but if they're an asshole, the team doesn't – I mean, that's happened over and they over. They tear the team apart. They do. They do. So my department is unique in that sense. And we've put more leaders out across the university than you can imagine. Probably because your approach is better than others. Right. And we also get the respect because when – like one year they uh, asked us to come up with a 3% budget cut, which is harder than it sounds because most things are fixed costs. You can't play with them. So it's like 15 off the non-fixed costs. And every department in the College of Arts and Sciences that year didn't do it, sent a letter saying why they can't do it. We sent a list of things we'd cut. We didn't say, look, we can't do it. We said, if you have to do it, we probably, I, I'm sure we said, look, it's going to hurt. But we put in the cut. So we don't let stuff wash from our department into the College of Arts and Sciences if we can help it. Is that is that kind of the mistake that you think Sam Bankman Freed made? It was just like a mismanaged well, budget? Might, might have been a complete pawn. Sam might have been a complete pawn or he might have known what he's doing. And the magnitude on that spectrum dictates whether he should be, you know, sent to jail for 20 years or what. A pawn for who? FTX appears to have been a money laundering scheme to take various sources of money and migrate it into various super PACs that were all favorable to the DNC. So it might sound like, you know, save the Wales Foundation. But by the way, if you notice, they're using all their money to support Democratic candidates who support saving Wales. So if you look at Sam Bankman's Freed's contributions, they're all very left-wing yes. operationally super PACs. And the DNC got a bunch of it. And, you know, he funded the clinical trial to shoot down ivermectin because that's what the COVID narrative desperately wanted because there were 30 others that showed it worked like a champ. So they needed a credible clinical trial to scorch ivermectin, and so they did. So FTX funded it. <laughs> FTX funded the clinical trial that gave ivermectin the most grief, yeah. <laughs> It's like a movie. Because needed FTX to be squashed. Ivermectin. Ivermectin to be squashed, yeah. Because you can't get EUA without, there has to be no other treatments that are available to, in order to get Ivermectin worked, the, the vaccines yeah. don't get released. Correct. Yeah. So, but I don't know what to do with the liars who, who I think didn't have to lie. Some what do you doc, mean? Well, there's doctors who, if they don't play along, they're going to lose their job. The high road is to lose your job, but you got two kids, you got a mortgage, you got college debt, you went to med. I, I got three jabs, in part because the first two was during a period where the concerns about the vaccine were still just theory. And Cornell said, "Vaccinate or leave." I said, "Well, I'm, I'm not taking some harebrained internet theory, which I might be right about." I waited till 20 million people got vaccinated, and there, there were the. You could see evidence who was causing trouble, but it would seem statistically low. I said, okay, so screw it. I'll get the vaccine. I had no problem with it. By the time I got the third boost, they said booster quit. 
The problem is not only now I knew the vaccine was not good, but now I'd had two that did nothing to me. So I go, am I going to quit overtaking a third? Oh, God. It never happened. If it was a first, it's a different story. Right. But I already demonstrated the ability to resist the vaccine, at least for the horrible stuff. So, so I could have quit. I could have retired. But I, but neither of my kids are huge breadwinners. I'm fiercely loyal. Uh, fiercely proud of the things they do, but they're not going to make the kind of money I made. I want to die with money in the bank for them. So every year that I work, it's a lot of money. Interesting. Them, it's not for me. I, I could retire today and die with plenty of money in the bank. But I have this image of how much one of them's a musician, right? He is not going to accumulate a lot, lot of wealth. And Does like, that matter? Well, if you have to retire at 65 because of health and you don't have any money. Sure. And he's been teaching students. I don't even know if he's going to have Social Security, right? I mean, he could be destitute. Right. So it does matter. And as Eric Weinstein said one day, money is uh, freedom. Yeah, I agree with that. It gives you your time. You get to control your yeah. time. I, I could live like a grad student. I really, a few exceptions. I've got a stupendous house, which is a, a life-changing quality existence. 100-foot cliff, looking west over Kiga Lake. Light coming through plate glass windows. I didn't think I cared where I lived. And then my wife wanted to live on the lake. I said, oh, okay, whatever. And then I saw this house. I go, oh, this would be different. So I could sit on my deck till 12 o'clock at night with my laptop. And you can hear the, the sounds of the lake. It's really a different world. So I like it. I also did the math and found out that, according to the Thornberg Group, it, tra- it tracks inflation. I was just taking a lot of wealth and tracking inflation. That's three times what I needed. I sold a, a two-acre barn, four-bedroom farmhouse, walking distance from campus. Oh, wow. For a third of what I paid for this house. So it was a conscious decision to buy seriously expensive real estate. But I was also a super bear, and I said, look, I can tie inflation here. Or I can invest in something that'll, 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 that'll neuter me by before it's over. So... So you talk about how we're, and, and I actually believe this too. I look like a total dirtbag. What? It's probably from. I'm wearing blue jeans. And that's not an upgrade. I actually have a black pair. Usually they're just Levi's. Right? What's something you do like to splurge on though? What's like one thing that is take weird out. that you take out? Take out. So I will go get takeout, which is what, at a Thai restaurant, 14 bucks a, a dish, right? So instead of cooking at home for six, I didn't take out for 14. And I go, you know, if I've done this well and worked this hard, if I, if I can get takeout whenever I want, there's a problem. Right? <laughs> and so it's so a takeout. But I also don't eat breakfast or lunch. Oh, you fast? I'm on fasting. You know, I invented that diet, not the first, but in college when I was doing competitive sports, I need to keep my weight down to an absolute bare minimum. I uh, I call it my six o'clock diet. Don't eat anything until six o'clock. That's really so good. I finish, I finish my workout and then I go up dinner. It's really and good. It turns out it works well. The Russians studied the shit out of it. It works really well. When I want to peel the weight off, right now I'm a cow. I'm a complete cow. Um, <laughs> 
But it's like in baseball, you lead off the base. So I'm getting up, 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 and then also I have to go back and touch the base. So the time I go diet and I can't get back to some weight that I, that I can say I've touched the bag, <laughs> right. then I have a problem. I have a friend who got to 700 pounds, and I go, how the fuck do you get to 700 pounds? And I'll say, I reel back and, 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 and stunned realizing one pound at a time. I said, Dave, you can't do that. That's a terrible life. And I, in theory, life. could. I, I have the ability to do that, but if I keep touching that bag, I can't. Yeah, it's so not I, good. I went, when you really want to peel it off, you hear my ass sizzling like a piece of bacon. Um, I do combo Atkins intermittent fast. Yep. So I do only protein after 6 o'clock. You can hear the fat getting burned off me when, when I do that one. Oh, yeah. So I, I've several times dropped 40. I took up Taekwondo and it, as an adult. I went, I went from 202 down to 162, which is eight pounds below the weight I graduated from high school. Wow. That's a lot. Right. But I was also working out six days a week, inspiring the Cornell undergrads and stuff. So it was, it was, uh, there was a lot of things smacking away on my physique. To, but I had a lot more muscle mass than when I was 202. So I, a lot of weight came up. Do you feel I good now? No, because I, I had to give up Taekwondo for various health reasons. I said, ah, fuck it, I'll do sumo, and I just bloated. <laughs> so, I, I hate, let me tell you this. I hate vegetables. Yeah, I don't vent unless they're an Asian food. I hate them. So do I. So I'm a meat and potato and butter, you know. Okay, so you take a bowl of butter and you dump some food in it and you eat it, right? I mean, that's me. And so... If I sit at the table, better be ready to eat like a pig. So I say, okay, don't sit at the table very often then. Right? I can't graze. And I can't yeah. sit there eating broccoli and celery and just bullshit like that. Yeah. Just well, celery juice first thing is, is a pretty good thing to have. But um, so preserving your wealth, because you talk about you wanted to leave a certain amount in the bank. Where are you looking to put your money over the next couple of years? And where do you see, I mean, how do you see the markets now compared to what you saw? You talk about a lot from 1981 to basically 2021, let's say, right? Yeah, what, three, three good decades. Yeah. And, and right. one, one that was not a disaster. So from 2010 to the present, I'm kind of 4% annualized. But that was during a period when people were rocking. Oh, yeah. Bond, bonds were treating you well because it kept going down. And, and I don't blame myself. I, I make big decisions based on the following premise. If it goes very badly, will you forgive yourself? If the answer is yes, it means you believe in the process. So I get married. The answer is yes. I go, okay, I could, could screw up totally, but it is not a bad call. Um, and so um, what happened in 09, this is what people don't understand, is the markets got back to fair value in 09. They were not cheap. They were, they were cheaper than fair value for about three weeks. It's that bad. And then they sprung right back. And if you look at historical fair value, uh, they, they really were not cheap. And it's not just me. Mark Spitznagel said this. Jeremy Grantham said this. Uh, there, there's some big guys who said, look, they were not cheap in 09. The fact that you fell from a balloon like a Red Bull stunt and hurtled back to 35,000 feet fast makes it feel like you're back, you're cheap, but you're 35,000 feet. You have plenty of room to go. And so uh, I think fair value now is somewhere in the mid 
to high teens for the S&P. That's about a factor of two overvalued. From here, we've taken a little froth off the top, a year and a half of gains off the top. That's it. You think a bear market's going to take a year and a half of frothy gains, and that's it? That's no. not throwing a gazelle into a lion's cage and expect him just to eat one leg. <laughs> right? And so I, my current base model is a 20-year period of awfulness, just grinding, grinding investors to the point where they finally can't take it anymore. Nikkei. The Nikkei. So what do you do? Well, what well, would you... Yeah. Well, I have a lot of gold. I have physical gold. I have Central Fund of Canada gold. I have silver. Um, I have some gold equities. I used to hate gold equities. They were they they completely screwed that first decade of the millennium. Bull market gold. Gold went from two fifty six, which I owned it then, up to nineteen hundred, and then collapsed back and wiggled around around twelve hundred. The equity should have held some gains. They lost them all. If you talk to CEOs of these gold mining companies, they all admit we've completely fucked that up. They completely screwed that pooch. So I used to say, look, you know, people say, well, you know, this gold company is really cheap because they talk about their reserves. I go, look, I live on a lake. I'm not a, I'm not a fishery. If I can't get fish out of the lake in front of my house and sell them for a profit, I'm not a fishery. And so, until you show me gold miners can make money. Well, one day I'm listening to Fred Hickey, and he's going, oh, gold's really cheap. I go, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and he starts citing some of the stats. I go, wait, wait, you're describing tobacco stocks, which I made a ton on, by the way, by being contrarian. It was the best analysis I ever did, actually. It was the very best, cognitively speaking. I go, you nailed it. Tell me more about that. Well, so tobacco was about to be sued for $142 billion. Okay. They fought a lot of lawsuits. If the states actually drove tobacco into bankruptcy, they wouldn't get paid. So I said, okay, there is a floor there somewhere. And then they had, I hate PE ratios because they're so easy to fake, but they had legitimate PE ratios of six. They're paying dividends of 12%, 9 to 12%, when no one else was. And and fortress balance sheets, although not that much fortress, because when tobacco companies build big balance sheets, someone goes for it. So they can't have money hanging out there because evil dudes, you know, people say, oh, yeah, we got to go get their money. Look at all that money they have in the bank. So you got to look broke. And I'm trying to say, what am I missing? And they were hated. The lawsuit was right in their headlights, right? I go, what am I missing? And then one day I see this four-paragraph article where the analyst says, if they lose the lawsuit, they're going to have to raise cigarettes 50 cents a pack to pay it off over 20 years. I go, oh, my God. <laughs> it's about a 3% tax. That's all it is. It's a tax. Oh, right. Yeah. And so, I, so I went into my one of my retirement accounts and bought way more than I should, but I was confident at that point. I put a couple of kids through college on that one purchase, so. Philip Morris and, um, and R.J. Reynolds. And they're still paying good dividends. But they bought vaping companies. And I forgive them because it did look like where it was going. Wait, what's the problem with that? Well, vaping has not done well. And they overpaid for them. They panicked, in my opinion. 
They thought they would and wipe out their market. They paid forty billion dollars for. Want to pay forty billion for a vaping company? So um, the other thing I bullish on, uh, as I said, I rode energy from about one all the way up through the peak. Left some money on the tables and went down around fifteen or two thousand fifteen, but I caught a huge run there, and then I didn't sell. I thought we had maybe plumbed a new bottom and it would stall and it would still be fine. My retirement account, unbeknownst to me, decided they were too risky. And they took all my Fidelity energy stocks and converted them to life cycle stocks. <laughs> now, here's the funny part. They did well. About a year later, I figured out that they had done this because I wasn't looking at myself. I don't care. I keep track. I got a computer screen to watch. So I raised holy hell, I was pissed. And, but they saved me about a factor of 50% from there because oh they got clobbered more. So first thing I did is I said, okay, I've been kicked out of my energy stocks. I wrote to about six hedge fund managers who I trusted and said a rational person, if they were in it, would buy them back. But is this an opportunity to not own them? What should I do in your opinion? They said, I wouldn't touch them right now. So I didn't. They all said it. And then around uh, 2020. Oh, yeah. It, it was 2020. Um, they kicked ExxonMobil out of the Dow replacement Salesforce.com. And I go, I'm buying ExxonMobil. <laughs> right? That's just stupid. Salesforce.com is down something like 75% from that day. And Exxon's up something like 83%. I have a tweet in my year in review that showed Howard Lindsay saying, what's your single best trade right now? And I put XOM. And it was it was middle 2020. And some guy sent me a tweet, said, you made me a ton of money with this tweet. <laughs> and he was very thankful. So what happened is uh, by the end of 2020, I had put a lot of money into energy. The second buy signal for me was Jesse Felder, who's one of the really sound value driven guys who can literally look at valuations on an absolute scale, not a relative scale, which many people have trouble doing. And he said the energy companies are cheap and they used to be 16% of the S&P that moment when I probably should have sold them all, but I'm not a trader, so I don't think that way. And they're now 2% of the S&P. And I'm a firm believer that the world is run on energy. Go figure. <laughs> so I said, that's a forgotten sector. I own platinum stocks now. Platinum stocks are priced like Russian equities. And one day I did a podcast and I said, I own Sabanye, um, I keep calling it wrong, not Imperial. I just know the symbols, I-M-P-U-I and, uh, and Anglo-American platinum. The three big platinum miners in South South America, South Africa, and there's always geographic risks. Sabanye's right now facing some labor risk, but labor risk—the timescales of labor risk—is nothing, right? I, I buy them and I, I watch them because I love watching them move, but I really don't care as long as they're up ten years from now. So I really am a buy and hold guy. If if, if I'm not, I don't do trades. I'd love to never sell them. They have PE ratios of five, six, seven. They have net cash on the balance sheet. 
steady revenues. So one day I'm doing a podcast just like this one. And I get an email from some guy who says, we're the largest private owner of Sabanya. I'd love to chat. And I go, well, I would be up with that. <laughs> we spent a two-hour phone call where he tutored me on the nuts and bolts of the platinum miners. And it turns out they're making their money right now because platinum hasn't moved in 20 years. The price hasn't moved in 20 years. If platinum ever gets legs, the platinum miners are going to print money like there's no tomorrow. What's the punchline, though? Why, why well, are they going to... One of the punchlines is everyone thinks we're going to drive electric cars. Right. Which I think is one of the big delusions of the modern era. That helps silver as well, right? Yeah, but it's not a big concern. The, the solar panels have silver. They're, they keep trying to shrink the amount of silver. So, But every electronic device has silver. So the, the, the industrial argument for silver is better than some. So I think the platinum miners are held back by the idea we will have no catalytic converters. Okay. And I actually think we're going to discover that electric cars are a luxury that solve no problems. That's what I think we're going to discover. What do you mean by that? Well, first and foremost, um, if you actually do a beam count, you say, okay, if we convert all the present cars to electric. There's not enough. We don't have enough raw not materials. Enough of anything. Yeah. The cobalt, for example, the yeah. comes from, you know, Con- mines in the Congo with slave labor at the bottom, 20,000 people. It's a disaster. A day. Disaster. It's in the 76% is in the Congo. Yep. And owned so, by China. Owned by China as well, for the most part. China's going to grab it up, because who do we have running our country? China. Oh, I mean, Joe Biden. Well, no, you're correct. Your oh, okay. Right. <laughs> um, that's another problem. Because everything Biden does, it looks counterproductive. You don't know who owns them. It looks really weird. He's got the charisma problems. He's got the China corruption problems. So, so for all we know, Xi Jinping is saying, Joe, we can out you today unless you do X, Y, and Z. When we bailed out of Afghanistan in the most egregious way imaginable, I agreed with getting out, but we got out. Not like that. that. A moron could have designed a better exit plan. Is is China somehow... Doing is Ukraine somehow related to China? It is, but I two or three years ago I set out to understand China, and I've made no progress. Meaning, there's not enough information out there. They're They're opaque. Yeah. And if you find something, you know, I've read a bunch of books. You don't know if they're lying or telling the truth. There's just so many. I can learn more about Russia than I can learn about China. But then when you come across people, and I think we both share the same opinion with like Peter Zion, where. We both think he's a little no, overly. Skip downhill in my book. Yeah, quickly. he's a little. He was really rough on Joe Rogan, but he uh, he's very. Um, uh, he he basically thinks America is so powerful, you have zero chance of ever knocking us off. We're just like, or you you no chance, right? China has no chance. Yeah. But the good argument I think he does make that makes an interesting conversation is the demography, uh, or you know, the demographics well, of China. Stick, right? That's his whole stick. I mean, do you think that leads to a collapse? Zion Zion had what I thought were great facts. Very good. Opinions at the right time. That make make me look elusive. Uh Uh-huh. Right? So he just says, you know, China's going to collapse in 10 years. Right. He says 8 to 12. He says 10. Yeah. And he's he's got an arrogance to him. Big time. well, I have to be careful because maybe I do too. Maybe, but but it's, it's no. He comes off as like arrogance. a he, he comes off as more one of those know it all people. That's how he real comes bad, off. Real, real bad, real bad. Yeah, he does. You don't and, come off like that. 
And well, thank you. Thank you for lying to me. Um, but his facts lately have been very bad. I feel like he's part of of of. He's of a neocon. Instant. Yeah, he's a neocon. Well, he yeah. worked for Stratford, so hello, right? But George Friedman, who founded Stratford, Cornell PhD, by the way, he doesn't lie as much as that. But here, here for example, are the facts that he gave. Um, well, wait, what's Zion lying about? Well, you think he's lying? Starters, he, he gave this highly produced story. So I think he's busy writing his book oh. and not keeping up with some stuff. Okay. So he's now caught up with things like the Ukraine war. I would recommend everyone reads that book, by the way. The End of the World Just Beginning, I do think it's a good read. I no, do. I think it's a good book. I do. But I think it's better for the facts than his opinions. And that yes. He's right about the demographics. I think he has reason to have a strong opinion about the demographics. I just think that his confidence levels, his error bars are just way too small. It's like there, it's, there's zero probability that he's wrong is how it comes off. There's no the, – like when he was on Joe Rogan the other day and it came off just real – it was Whoa. bad. It was well, bad. So he was asked about what he, – he shed all over Bitcoin. Yep. Now, I'm not a fan of the guys who shit all over Bitcoin. I would be more agnostic to the Bitcoin yes. argument like you are, like, a, like it could go either way. Not a definite no because if you're proven wrong, then everything, all the credibility goes to shit. But his, his – Just like the pandemic. His know-it-allness as a non-knowledgeable person was awful. And so Rogan as, I said Bent, as I said to Marty Bent in a tweet, I said, look, you know how little I know about Bitcoin. He was 100% wrong in that series of statements. Mm -hmm. He came out and said because it was a fixed amount of Bitcoin, it would be he highly did. inflationary. And I go, you don't even understand Econ 101, dude. The other thing that he said in this highly produced 20, 20 minute thing that, that was produced by some of so again, I get worried. Uh, he said that the Russians, that you know, I wrote a lot about Ukraine, that the Russians kidnapped a million Ukrainian kids. Well, Zion loves Ukraine. He loves Ukraine. Well, that's fine and dandy, but I sell Ukraine to the Russians right now if I had my way. Um, I date a Ukrainian. He, <laughs> That's right. They're hot chicks. I, I give you that. Um, he said that the Russians have kidnapped a million Ukrainian kids. That wasn't true, Russian though. Right? Close. Yeah. <laughs> there are not a million Ukrainian kids in Ukraine. Oh. It's an absurd <laughs> statement. Their population density isn't enough. I mean, the whole thing, just insane number. And that's, he, who wants a million kids? He's gotten a big platform pretty quickly. I'm wondering if he's getting some intel to, to say something. Because I do, I do. Listen, I, I can tell when he's like a little too overconfident, full of shit. So, but I do watch his YouTube video every day. They're really short and they're like, they're definitely a good watch. But I agree with you, and I used to, but I've it, just gotten really nervous lately. And my comment section, which is not what steers me, but the commenters are informative. Oh, yeah. His but, and so. But. But absolutely, there's like I didn't think about half the stuff. Like when it comes to demographics, I didn't think about it till I heard it from him. He was the first no, one that absolutely no, he brought that to light. Is, is Zion's story right? And then I recently saw an interview of uh, of uh, Musk with two guys, very informal interview. One of those ones where they're just kind of sitting around chatting, and they said, "What's the most important unsolved problem that civilization faces?" And he said, "Population collapse." Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I go, I, I went, whoa, Elon got the message. Oh, he Holy knows. shit. He knows. He's brilliant. He that knows. Guy, that guy has the right to be smug. Um, he tweeted, follow the white rabbit. 
<laughs> I love that. And he said, no, I'm not kidding. I'm saying collapse. And that's He's right. Zion's story. And, and Zion's model for what that will do is fine. Right? So when he says it'll deglobalize the world, and I, I have no trouble with any of that. GDP because productivity output. But that doesn't take yeah. into account AI and automation making up for humans. And I think that's where things are going to get tricky and China doesn't collapse. I think oh, that it makes up for the humans. And that AI story amped up fast this month, oh. didn't it? Oh yeah, and it's going to go even fast. They said the next ten years of, of like technological process will be more than the last one hundred. So like, but it's buckle spooky. up. You don't know if AI is good or bad. I I don't think it's either. I think it's whatever you make it. I, I, it's right. self learning. Okay, let me rephrase. You don't know whether we'll make it good or bad. Correct. If Klaus Schwab's behind it, I'd have some questions. Um, and I watch Jordan Peterson talk about it. He's obviously shitting his adult diapers. Yeah. Well, he has to go to reeducation. <laughs> He has to go to re-education camp because he's not thinking clearly. So the first time I actually reached out to you was, and I'm curious, and you never responded to my email, so I, I appreciate that. But uh, it was you, you were on Pomp's show, and uh, this was not the last time. This was two times ago or whatever. didn't respond, or I did respond. Oh, no, you did not respond. You did not. Oh, see, I, I try to respond to all of them. Well, you did a very poor job in this instance. So okay. uh, I, I, I say I say yes to every request. So you mentioned uh, you said you were talking about labor shortages, and it was in the U.S. And there's no mysterious employer that you found where all these people are going, and no one can hire you in a restaurant. And I emailed you, and I go, I have this theory that perhaps it's due to the jab, and maybe there's more adverse events. We don't know if people are out of the workforce. And I listen to Edward Dowd, and like disabilities are higher up. The the working the like millennials. There's 84 percent increase in disabilities in Q3 and Q4. And that there's more people in the workforce who tend to be healthier than those not in the workforce being disabled for whatever reason. Just And right. I'm wondering if, right. if you thought that perhaps it could be related to the inoculation of, or something like that, that maybe made our workforce decline or people leave the workforce. Well, my current theory is actually that it's the sum of many, many contributions. There's guys who sat out on their decks during lockdown and said, I like this. I'm not going back. There's, um, there's, but how are they living? How are people living? Well, some of these guys just took two years off their work life and said, I'm retiring. Others said, look, we can live more cheaply. There's stay at home moms now that didn't exist before because they stayed at home to teach their kids. They said, I'm not going back to work. The, the daycare is not paying for the, 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 the money I was earning is not paying for the daycare. This is nuts. And so I think, I think there's a lot of people who learn to function at home for various reasons. Uh, I don't know when they told me thought that a lot of people who who were illegals went back to their home country. Yeah, you mentioned that. Back. You mentioned that. And then you say, but they're flooding across the border. But what you've done is you fractured the connections. So if I have a gardener who's disappeared, it's a, it's a different story trying to find another Mexican gardener, right? So it's, and they wouldn't register as workers either, maybe. But um, So there's all sorts of things that I think chipped away at the worker. And boomers are retiring, and maybe perhaps because of mandates, they retired earlier than usual and aren't going back. And, you know, but it still doesn't add up to me. It seems everywhere is hiring, and they can't find people. I don't understand. Well, so what it means is that the market is broken. This I emphasize. People say it's a, it's a, it's a strong labor market. Go, no, it's not at all a strong labor market. It's a tight labor market. And it's tight because, because, um, the suppliers and, and the consumers of labor are not are not achieving price discovery. 
So the guys who need labor are not paying enough, and the guys who who, who are potentially workers are not getting what they want. So so so, you know, price discovery simply is broken. You pay them enough, they'll come back to work. Did this break in 2020, 2021? Yeah. Oh, the lockdowns broke it. Lockdowns broke it, but it's like if you took your car off the road and put it on blocks, you're not going to take it off blocks and drive away after right. some number of months. We thought we could shut down the entire global economy and, and induce coma, right? And that somehow it would just self-ignite. Right. And it, it can't. It's not that simple. So you think climate lockdowns would be a bad idea? I think the whole climate change story is bullshit. Completely, utterly bullshit. Okay. So, no concern about. Cl- so, it's another power play. Or I, well, $50 trillion grift right now. $150 trillion is the projected expenditure. I just watched something this morning. The guy said it depends on your reference state. If you look at the temperature today from 38 years ago, it hasn't moved. You look back at something like 100 years ago, 150. It has moved something like two degrees. You go back to medieval, it's dropped four degrees, right? It's just, the medieval, it was, it was warmer in the Middle Ages than it is now. Well, there's, there's interesting cycles, like the saculum, you know, like the fourth turning, like there's, there's cycles that like we go modern, through in the solar the system, minimum, things like that. the that grand solar minimum to, and things that like that. Ice age. Climate change. Right. But we might be in an area where like for, I listen to David Dubine, who I think is great. His YouTube channel is adapt 2030s. The best weather, per, like, like Zion is with demographics or it was, right. he's like that with weather phenomenal and says that right. we're approaching in 2025, this weather catastrophe for where like, you won't be able to grow. We, we're going to lose 50% of crops worldwide. And then because plus we have this. Too hot. Right. Too hot. No, no, too, too, no, no, too cold, too cold. Exactly. It's too. It's the opposite. It's that there. And then there was a about to say every everyone I know says we're getting cold. We're about to head into he, these minima. Yeah, and he says, uh, and he says uh, how there was a volcano explosion. I think in 20, January twenty twenty one or twenty twenty, and the ash has covered like a lot of the I don't know ozone. I don't know what you would call it, and basically is is making it colder. And so when we see planting right now, there's going to be like maybe thirty to forty percent less crops. And so the yield in you know when it's time to yield in the summer or the right. winter for Australia. Um, there's going to be like 50%. So there's going to be a huge famine and a food shortage. And Zion actually agrees with that and says, we're going to lose a billion people over the next 10 years in food shortages. What do you think about that? Well, that, that of course, this year's a risk of a food shortage. What do the Dutch do? They tell the farmers not to plant crops. <sighs> well, but, but that's not just stupidity. That can't be stupidity. That's malice. It's or, or someone's trying to engineer something. Someone's trying to find a way to make. Now, my theory is, by the way, is that what's the most benign theory that I'll give to the global elites is that these guys know we don't really have good energy at this point. That you know we're drilling two miles below the Gulf, we're going up the Arctic, we're in the North Sea, we're going to the extremes to find energy now. This is not exactly you know Jed Clampett shooting his gun into the the, the hills of, of Appalachia. Um, and and so uh, let's say the elites can see this. They go, India's rising, China's rising. There's simply not going to be energy. We have to go nuclear. So what do you do? I wrote this in 2021. You create a false energy crisis. Instead yeah, of converting one person at a time saying, you know, you got to have a nuclear power plant. No, I don't want one. You get them to beg. They begged for the vaccines, didn't they? they They'll accept anything. Vaccines. Yes. So I said in 2021, they're going to engineer 
an energy crisis, mark my words, was the way I phrased it. 2022 shows up, what have they done? So do you own energy stocks? Yes. Yeah. Starting in 2020 is when I, when I, when I decided to go for energy. Which and you maintain you that. I also said, though, buy the companies that um, possibly the explorers are okay. If, if it's like, we're out of energy, we got to explore. I'm okay with that idea. What you don't want to do is buy the companies where they somehow have to get, they have to get government to give them rights to do it because the politics are too thick. You want to buy the companies that are essentially like a royalty trust that already have wells, pumps, processors, refineries, you name it. And all they have to do is this energy goes up, just make more money. Right. Right. So, so the companies that already have the infrastructure in place will not be shut down by Biden, will not be shut down by Trudeau. Right? Who are these so, companies? I just buy the big caps, the fidelity funds, which are dominated by. And then the other thing, the other bet I've taken, which is longer term and sketchier is uranium. Yep. I think we're going to go nukes, right? Now, that could take a long time, but there are. Now, here's a question. Well, and it comes from Russia, right? Well, it did. It did. I mean, yeah. Well, it does. It's it's fungible to the extent that there's this farcical thing where, you know, Russia sells to these guys and they sell it to us for twice as much. Right. And this is the the crazy world, you know, the guys who think, who claim to be shutting down Russia know full well that the oil is making it back into the world, right? Of course. So um, uh, here's a question I like to ask people. Why is, why are, and I make a connection, which is too literal. It says I had a level literal connection, but it's but I like the connection. That is why why is China building countless solar panels and selling them to us to use the proceeds to build nukes and to build up their army and their navy, but to build nukes and to, yeah, to build solar panels for nukes. What I don't get is how the that I understand from China's standpoint. My my confusion no, is no, that no, the but, wet. Now, now get rid of the peripheral stuff. I'm just saying if you're selling solar panels and you're building nukes, it means you're betting on nukes, not solar panels. Correct. If solar panels are phenomenal, they'd make them and just put them up all over China. Of course, right. And they're not doing that. They know solar panels aren't going to do shit. Of course. And they the best the best opportunity for energy is probably in nuclear as of right now, for sure. Definition. Yeah. It is it is absolutely the best whether we'll take it, whether we'll take it in time, you know, there's all sorts of issues. But Gates has been talking about and shit, so. But if you uh, if you ask you know Germany or France, they would say the best source of energy is coal. <laughs> <laughs> Let them find it out. Uh, or tr- coal or wood or trees. They're chopping down like half of their forest. <laughs> yeah, they deforested Europe once before, and it didn't work that well. And they were trying to develop bronze. So, but they love the earth. They love the earth. Wait, I just want to read this quote yeah, from I from. I, I love people who love the earth. I really have to. I have to. I have to watch you carefully. <laughs> I'm not trying to be tricky. It's just amazing. People who love the earth and they love the climate, they don't care that they're, the cobalt came from slaves. and all. It's just unbelievable. The whole thing is just... Well, so my just, wife talks about... There's no research. Global warming is though, like, look, by doing this still, it's environmentally sound anyway. So she kind of says, well, we'll solve that problem. And I said, no, no. If you, if you have not defined the problem well, you will not solve it. And if the right. problem is pollution, you will solve it different than if the problem is CO2. The problem's pollution, you would be burning natural gas. That's it. No, no the problem is that 
you as a peasant are using too much carbon and they don't like it. And you better just shut up, not ask questions. And we will give you how much carbon you need. And that's it. And you keep your mouth shut and stay in line. But here's Henry Kissinger's famous quote, which is uh, relevant. I think he says, who controls the food supply controls the people who controls the energy can control whole continents who controls money can control the world. Don't you think that it's very weird that we have a war on all three of those things at the same time? Not at all. Makes total sense. <laughs> well, you just told Henry just told us why, right? Well, are you are you are you one of those people though that believe we are possibly seeing the end of the dollar? Like you asked Zion about, yes. you know, the, the world is of currency, he goes, No chance forever. I see it as being much more rocky than people make it seem. You see energy being listed on the Chinese markets for the one, like or, or the yen, whatever. Saudis are, Saudis Saudis. are cozying up with Russia. No, they're cozying up, with, and they're, but they're more cozying up with China. That's right. But they're cozying up with everyone who we don't want them to cozy up with. The BRICS nations. Yes. They openly stated BRICS. And, and the, the CEO of Saudi Aramco said the BRICS were dependable. And so so uh, I think it's quite possible that, that the petrodollar is in trouble, which is this vague thing that I... It's 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 a little amorphous, but it you know. Which ironically historic. was Kissinger who brokered that deal. I know Kissinger put together OPEC, and and petrodollar is really what's holding the U.S. as the world reserve currency technically because right. because everything's settled in U.S. dollar. I mean, it's more than that. It is more than that. Right. I so I actually wrote down some. So this is why you don't necessarily understand the Ukraine war at all because until you figure out who the different players are. And one of the things Friedman said that was brilliant, he says, never underestimate any of the players. None of them are stupid. Oh, no, no, definitely not. It's easy to, though. It's easy to. I feel like they want you to, so you don't ask questions. But I was watching watching one of your interviews earlier today, yesterday, I wrote it down, something like, um, you you couldn't see how, you can't see how, Bitcoin will be adopted. You think the regulators or the government is going to crush it? Just gonna, the insects that we are, they're just going to crush it, right? They're going to try to crush it. They're going to try and crush it, and most likely, probably be successful. If you had to, if you had to bet on it, you would probably no, bet on. No, I'm I'm agnostic on that. Okay, so I was thinking that perhaps the way to U.S. to end the U.S. dollar as the well, look at the trucker strike. Well, they, truckers were winning. The Canadian truckers had it. They 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 had the ball heading for the end zone, right? And then they got stepped on. But don't you think Freeland was trying to do the right thing? Not a bit. She's a Nazi. <laughs> you mean like real Nazi, like Ty? She's a real Nazi. You don't know her background? I, d- I actually don't know much of her background. Her fa- her grandfather was a Ukrainian Nazi. She was she worked in Ukraine as a propagandist for years. She lived there. She lived there. Her grandfather's a Ukrainian Nazi. And when, when you talk about Ukrainian Nazis, we're not using it metaphorically. This is not Godwin's rule that every debate eventually degenerates to Adolf Hitler, right? No. There are Nazis in Ukraine. They celebrate birthdays of famous Ukrainian Nazis in World War II. They, 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 they search Anyone who doesn't believe this, search the Azov Battalion. Now, if you go on Twitter, you it works great. You go on, on Google, it works great. You will find nothing but horror stories about the Azov Battalion being a bunch of wretched, soulless, ruthless Mexican drug cartel-like Nazis who have been a problem for decades. But the ADL told me they don't exist anymore. 
the ADL was really weird when they did that, didn't they? The ADL <laughs> called them a bunch of Nazis, and all of a sudden they said, well, they're not Nazis anymore. Right. You don't believe them? Yeah, so like, no. <laughs> you don't go from being a Nazi to not a Nazi, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's sort of like the, the politicians who go from pro-life to pro-choice or the other way. That's not, that's not <laughs> a nice politician. I don't care which way you go. You so, made a call that has nothing to do with what you feel. So then is, do you believe that part of Putin's motive is to, quote unquote, cleanse the Nazis, what he was saying before he invaded? I so. Well, I think there's a lot of potential reasons, but I think denazifying Ukraine was, yeah. was uh, I think that was the proximate trigger. Uh, NATO's been causing terrible problems for Russia for, for at least a decade now. Well, we broke our own agreement saying we would never right. go against their border. On Yeah, we right. absolutely. No, no, NATO, NATO lied and lied and lied the whole way. And, and Putin kept saying, look, I need you to do this. And they kept saying, fuck you. It was just that simple. Yeah. I mean, if you read Raytheon's reports, I mean, they've been egging. They, they've been expecting Ukraine to be invaded for years. They wrote reports years. on how to make Russia suffer. Yeah. And what levels we will control the war at before it gets to nukes. It's crazy. And, and the RAND Corporation, that's another yeah. one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how to trigger a war with Russia, right? Now, do you think that is because the people who are high up in the U.S. institutions are the people that were fighting, you know, the Cold War with the Soviet Union and they're still obsessed with Russia? My theory is we still have those people running it and they're obsessed with the Russia, but they're not the Russia that was Soviet Union. They're, we would it, The war against the U.S. and Russia would be about one day. We would just clobber them. I mean, it's a joke. They're tiny. That's the truth. We might all suffer badly. but Oh, if there was like a nuke. But if it was like combat, it, the U.S. and Russia are not on the same scale. It's a joke, but they're trying to make it seem like Russia is so scary. They're going to take over all of Europe and come take over North America. Like it's, they're not strong no, anymore, they're not. but they're not as weak as they say too. That's the problem. against the Ukrainians. I, so what's going to happen? So, okay. So if you believe that the media, mainstream media is totally bullshitting and lying to us about how Ukraine's winning the war or beating them. And they're really not like the best source of information I found, by the way, is the Duran. The, they have a YouTube podcast. They're very unbiased, very good. And they're saying that the reports that, you know, we'll hear Ukrainians win the war. They're pushing them back in here. Son, all this stuff. It's a lie. And they're getting clobbered. They're losing hundreds lie. of thousands of people. And Russia yeah. just grind. They're doing the grind strategies, grind, 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 grind. And Russia's How? been pulling punches the whole way. Russia didn't even come close to uncorking on them. Right, right. And and there's going to be an offensive uh, with, with Ukraine in like the spring, and Zion's actually part of that whole shtick. But – how there has to be a point where reality supersedes the narrative. And how do you see that playing out? Kanye will say something stupid. Next thing you know, we're talking about Kanye and, and you go, what, whatever happened to the Ukraine war? Kind of like Putin to COVID. <laughs> whatever happened. Yeah. Yeah. Putin won a Nobel Prize by and COVID in 48 hours. <laughs> I was laughing when I read that in your, your That's interview. Funny. That's really funny. funny. It was good. So, so, so we, it will just go off the headlines. So here, here. No, this is too big, though. I don't, it can't. It can't. I, I, I got to push back. I don't think that's true because if Russia wins, you have a whole geopolitical dynamic that changes. Then what? What is Poland going to come in? Like, no, what's going to happen? What will hap happen is here's the question I like to ask people. If we said to Ukraine, you get no more weapons, no more money, how long would it take for Zelensky to sign a deal with Putin? He already wanted to sign one, and, and Boris and Johnson pushed it away. I mean, right. we did that, that's which was exactly right from the U.S., right? We wanted NATO the NATO is the U.S. NATO is the I U.S. Think, I think one of the things that could 
a pretty high probability event is that by the end of this war, NATO will blow apart. NATO will not exist. Not in its pre- previous form. I want to, I, I see what you're saying, but I I feel we're going to a bifurcated world, a multipolar world. I don't think that it's the end of NATO. I think it's the end of just this homogeny of, yeah, of the United States. Yeah, a lot of stuff. But the NATO has to stay together because they're going to trade with each other and they're going to they're going to be each other from trade. But it will be a different thing. Yeah, it won't the, be a war. Let me put it this way. The Germans have got to be pissed at us right now. Furious. We blew up their pipeline. We're preventing them from negotiating with the Russians. They're going to suffer. Deindustrialize they're going to deindustrialize. They are deindustrializing right now because they can't get the energy. Basic shutdown. Companies that are boarding up. Yeah, basic, the largest in the world. So Germany doesn't want anything to do with us at some point. Some point to just and if if it's not Germany, then who? Right? You got the Italians with Maloney, who I just adore. I almost have a crush on her. Um, Macron has not been a big supporter of the Ukraine war. No, he hasn't. And, and He's so, interesting. He's interesting, is right. You almost sense he's not lying sometimes. Yeah. And France so is interesting. Yeah. I, so I think it's, you might be right. One of the theories is, is, is that our neocons somehow haven't realized that the Cold War ended. Yeah, that's because what I think is the case. Fighting the old fight. The other possibility is, simple model, is we just want all Ukraine's and Russia's resources, period. I, well, I think both of those are true. They both can right. be true. Because we have a plan well, of taking over. The is, is that we don't want China to get all those resources. We have exercise we're running with what we would do, like scenarios. Like we love to do scenarios, like Event 201, catastrophic contagion just happened, and they all come we true. Which is, it's very bizarre. They all come true. One of the exercises is what you do when you take over Russia's natural resources. <laughs> How? Right. <laughs> well, one of the exercises. The risk map. No, so I put a I put a map oh. from the board game Risk, and I said it was a top secret Pentagon map, and then I said. They've already taken Russia off the map, right? What's funny is in, in some of the comment sections, I saw people bitching about it, saying, oh, my God, he's a psyop. And I'm going, it's, it's a game board, dude. It's a fucking it's a game board. board. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and so um, there's nothing about Ukraine, nothing about Ukraine that involves protecting democracy at all. Well, they're not real. They're they're authoritarian. I use the word democracy. They're authoritarian. He's a douchebag. He he criminal or he uh, jailed his opponent. I believe they shut down alter- other media sources that go against him. He right? shut down the other parties. He shut yeah. down Catholicism. <laughs> How's that? I ask people when's politician. the when's the next? Oh, the Russian Church. When's the next election for, for uh, Zelensky? I keep asking people that. I haven't gotten an answer. When is the election? I heard twenty twenty four. Perhaps he, he will win because. Whoever we want in there will win, right? Well, that well, there was, 2014 was a coup, and I don't think that's a secret, right? And so we got our. George we got Friedman the, said it was the most blatant engineered coup in history, which is a bold statement, right? We capitalized on the rebels. There were real rebels there, no, but we, we just trained, we trained them, though. we we funded them, we instigated it. Yes, it was a CIA sponsored coup. Yes, and when you. One of the rebel opponents of the administration and often the United States is in the air saying, here's the deal. We'll give you X, Y, Z. You'll get a ton of money. You'll get Bitcoin. I don't care. And and we will provide this back and go take them out. You take them out. Right. We've done that so many times. A book by Stephen Kinzer, I think it was, 
talked about the first 13 overt coups that we engineered, most of them in South America. But, you know, most of that got knocked off in Iran and places like that. There's a bunch of them. They said there's a whole bunch where fingerprints are on them. Isn't Haiti there? Isn't Haiti in that, that well, discussion? Actually, the first was Hawaii, believe it or not. Oh, Hawaii, we, sure. We kicked the queen of Hawaii out of Hawaii because the Dahl brothers wanted to grow pineapple and she was being a problem. <laughs> Interesting. So, so, so we have had something like 292 military interventions since the mid-90s. Which of those countries attacked us again? Zero. Right, zero. Of course. Now, that convinced me of something. That's why I still pay attention, but I can't stand the smugness anymore. I, I don't either, but I, he does have some good facts, and I think it's worth I noting those totally facts. I totally agree, but the smugness drives me nuts at this point. So once, I got, once I got the bulk of his story, it just became just smugness. I said, and then yeah. start getting his facts wrong, and that's when I, he lost me. That's the, he lost me when his facts started to fall apart. I think he really is a neocon. I think he is. He has to be. He talks yes. like one. He talks like America. Like there is a zero percent. Like you are a nutcase if you are questioning America's power yeah. and losing. Like you're an yeah. idiot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what was I talking about? Zion said uh, something recently about uh, the invading you talked about how many of those 292 countries invaded us and it was you so what zion convinced me really well you know people say why do we have to be the policeman of the world the answer is we're the only ones who can he said the united states is the only country that can project globally the navy yeah the navy everything superpower military and it is that ability to project awesome power which conveys to everyone in the world, if you piss us off, we will come and step on you, right? Painfully. And that has allowed global trade. Well, that's Bretton Woods. That's the 1945 agreement is what we decided to do is globalize the world. Right. But what I hadn't picked up, so I I actually copy-added the battle of the book. Okay. Steel's best. New York Times best-selling book. What I didn't pick up from the Bretton Woods Agreement till Zion was that the Bretton Woods Agreement was also a military agreement. I For sure. Pick that up. Oh yeah. And so, so Zion convinced me that the projection by the U.S. of the military power. Now, so I think he's right that if if we deglobalize, I think what first of all things will get very expensive. Because right now we're getting the cheapest goods from the most productive countries and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've got slave labor all over the world that we can It's just going to move from, from China to Mexico. I think, I think Zion's right about that. It's going to come to – it's inflationary it, though. By definition, make it more expensive because yes. anytime you restrict your supplier, you're going to sure. pay a higher price. Right. And you're going to go to Target to buy tube socks. They're not going to be 12 bucks. They're going to be 24 bucks. Right. And so it would be very inflationary. And then on top of that, the demographics is going to add inflation. So I think Zion, I'm guessing, is still saying that, you know, the future is inflation. Perhaps that's why they're letting in all the illegal immigrants, because we are onshoring all this? It's conceivable. It's conceivable. That that actually made sense. Not to mention the North Africans and Europe, which made no sense. Right, right. That one made even less sense. And then I saw Schumer mention the demographic issue and how we needed to give amnesty. South Americans, and when they come to America, they assimilate pretty well. North Africans into Europe do not. No. They've got a terrible track record of assimilating. And, and so 
while these North Africans were flying into Europe. And all the European leaders are just doing this. I'm going, what part of this story am I missing? There's something very strange going on here. Cause, and, and you know who got in trouble? Hungry, because they said, we're not taking them. Right, they right. Guff for that. They got a lot of yeah. guff for that. What's and his name? Hung, you, I can't remember. I can't pronounce it probably either. But, um, but he said no. He, he's the most rational sounding. I still like Maloney, though. If you guys haven't listened to Maloney, and if They're, you go to my, if you go to my uh, write-up on her, I mentioned Maloney, I think, once. And if you listen to her speeches where he takes on Macron using slave labor to get shit from Africa and stuff. I played she that. Rips him, she rips him. I'm thinking, oh, shit. Somebody she goes, probably married her, too. Holy shit. She's dangerous, right? She's like, this is the Swiss Frank. This is what she – I played that on this podcast. And, I, and, and the, they go and they take – yeah, the takes their natural resources. Said, I haven't seen this kind of anger outside of, the, of a divorce court, right? <laughs> and, um, and then – and then someone, someone, I, I got wind somehow of an imitation of a sports car. And it sounded just like Maloney. And I just kept playing it over and over, laughing my ass off. And it was just because her Italian, boom, 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 It sounded like a sports car. And she is a beautiful woman, too. By the way, the, the hungry uh, president, and I believe it's called. opponent, when she was being accused of being a neo Nazi, her opponent came to arrest me. It was like, no, 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 she beat me fair and square. Like she's the, that's what he did on. That was like on MSNBC or something, which was hilarious. Uh, Victor Orban is uh, in charge of Hungary. Victor Orban. Right. That's the president. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Victor. Yeah. The U S government hates him. Uh, and, uh, well, which is, that, that's a good start. Right. They hate Bolsonaro. They hate him. They hate, they, they hate Maloney. It's very interesting who they hate. Um, right. so I think the biggest wild card here, and I'm curious if I haven't heard you talk about this, how I believe the biggest country that we need, not to look out for competitiveness, but like they're younger. There's 1.3 billion of them. You talk about like future workforce and who's kind of focusing their infrastructure on like internet and more futuristic stuff is India. And I feel yeah. like no one cares. Well, India could be, if you put a gun to my head and said, start putting your money to work. Cause I have a lot of cash still. And if you said, you got to put it all to work, what do you do with it? And I would certainly throw a wad at India. Um, right now I don't, but I, I also think we're going into a global downturn in which um, I didn't make a ton off the energy because because I still think the secular bear is going to rip rip the faces off anybody who's exposed to a risk asset. So I think I think twenty twenty three is going to be a year of financial disturbance. You want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Well, I think so. So bear markets tend to come in stages, and it's kind of a human psychology staging. So the first stage is they rip some of the froth off, like like when the dot coms collapse and everyone said, "Oh, I buy and hold them long term. There's not a problem. It'll come back, right?" And, and people did get hurt. Took a while to come also, back. It did, but what's also true is the Feds had dropping interest rates. So so my my economic pitch, which I know you know, but I'm going to give it anyways, is in 1981 we were at the lowest valuations in history. We had the highest interest rates in history. So nothing expanded, which by the way, in case you think this is trivial, valuations over the last 42 years expanded 3% a year, the valuations. That's amazing. 3% a year tailwind. In 1981, we had interest rates went from 16 over 42 years, almost linearly, 
to zero. So we had that tailwind. We had boomers just entering the workforce. Demographic Zion on steroids. <laughs> we had China coming out of the dark ages with nothing but labor to sell, and they sold it to us cheap. We had Russia in the verge of collapse, took another half a decade or decade, who had nothing but resources to sell, so they flooded the market with energy with our help, you know, things like that. And so then the question is, which of those are going to repeat over the next 40 years? The answer is none. None, so yeah. be something new. So your AI theory maybe will do it, but I'm not convinced the AI tailwind is going to send us in a place that the average person is going to enjoy. Oh, like, well, that, you mean like... Uh, component to it is um, yeah, if you listen to like Yuval Noah Harari talk about the metaverse He's and... <laughs> both of his books before I knew anything about Harari's political views. So did I. And I thought they sucked, actually. <laughs> I didn't think they were any good. I, what I said was, <laughs> book reviews on both. What I said was that I, I know I enjoyed the narrative, but it wasn't sticky. When I get to the end of a book, there's times where I go, that left me with wisdom that I will carry with me. Like, you know, I'm a big, huge fan of Eric Hoffer's The True Believer. Yeah. Wisdom, right? Zion, uh, uh, Harari's books, first of all, I thought were way overrated. Oh, these are fantastic. No, they weren't. Sapiens and Homo Deus? Yes. But, but they're okay. But there's nothing sticky. I've done a lot of evolutionary biology and stuff. So that's, and I took anthropology and I read anthropology books and so on. So maybe I maybe I was too. Maybe they were not the right level or something. Speaking about books, there is one book I think that gives the best projection of what the future is going to be like. Have you read the Sovereign Individual? Uh oh. I think it's on my. I think that's the most important read for any human to read right now. I read it in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, and I thought it was written in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. It predicted the pandemic. It predicted like the internet. It was written in nineteen ninety seven. Okay. And it is, I listened to the audiobook. I've listened to it several times. I'll probably listen to it again. It is literally explaining the, probably the, I, I think it's the highest likelihood of the world we're entering. It is absolutely genius. I, I can't even believe it. I can't even believe that they wrote that in 1997. Well, the reason sucks because you should read it. No, I know, but I can tell you what the reasons are, but they are not, that's not the reason. So, I do so much reading of short form. And by the time I get to be able to read a book, I'm too tired. Do you do audiobooks or no? You don't like audio? And that's what I just looked up while you were talking. I looked up and we have the audiobook, so I will buy it with an audio. Credit. Oh, huge. And I'm on like 2.5x now. So I read, I get through things real fast. You know, speed 2.5x. Yeah. How nuts is that? Is that wild? Chipmunk nuts. That's, that's taking Alvin and putting him on two points. But but when you do it, when you get up to that level and it takes you a while, it seems like normal speed. It's the most crazy thing. Well, well it's, Marty, I think it was Marty Best told me. He said he said he's. Someone told me that they start at one point one and just keep taking it up. You do, and it, I'm telling you, it sounds normal pace. It totally does. And YouTube only goes to like the two. Red violin where there's a metronome and the kids mm -hmm. playing the violin. The red violin was the one where the violin was made out of the blood of the guy's wife. It was a great movie. And there's this girl playing the red violin two, 300 years ago, and she's practicing, and there's this metronome, and they just keep speeding it up and speeding it up. So Exactly. Okay, so I just bought it. 
well, let me after you read that or listen to it, get back to me and tell me what you think about it because that nothing changed my view of the world and what we're going into. What made so sense William in that book? It's a very famous big brain guy. And, and it, Davidson. And did you? Re- yeah, he. So he still does interviews now. He's come back on. He, the other guy's dead. Davidson's alive though. Um, have you read the Changing World Order by Ray? I, I say this is the the combo. You read the Changing World Order by Ray Dalio. You understand what we're in 2020, 2021. You know it'll make sense the shifting. Then you read the Sovereign Individual. That's probably twenty twenty six to twenty thirty five or something like that. And then as a bonus, you read the End of the World's Just the Beginning by Peter Zion to know some extra tidbits of what's going on and how the world works. And that so I have, I have that's that it. One. Um, well, the Changing World I, Order is a must. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed. I think it was Michael Pillsbury's. Um, what's it called? The Hundred Year something or other. When you do audio, you don't see the book. I know. So you, you never you forget the title. Um, the one with China, the Hundred Year War. I'll thing. tell you why I didn't read, read or listen to Dalio. So all, almost all the books I do now are audio because I drive to work. I drive to some faraway place. It's just all audio. It's great. Um, and if people are not doing that, they're nuts. Yeah, I my, totally my agree. Commute's 12, 15 minutes. One of the best you, life hacks for sure. Absolutely. So no question. <laughs> I, I might teach a freshman course about personal economics, personal finance. I might well, teach a freshman course on it. That's probably, don't you I've think the way. cleared for it. Yeah. I mean, don't you think that the rules that have worked for investing in economics and finance the past 40 years or since 45, it's all changing now? Don't you think we're entering a new era of like the 60-40 split won't work for your portfolio? We're just entering a different time of how your portfolio should be allocated, of how you need to look at personal finance. Yeah, but this is not about, personal finance is not about investing. Right, right. Right? That's the key. Personal finance, what the, the title I have in my head is personal finance and other life hacks. Okay. Audiobooks. No, I'm teaching a course. Oh, oh okay. Course. And I will have first semester freshmen who are about to spend a quarter of a million dollars or more on an education. And so if I can get to them and say, okay, here's kind of what's coming. For example, how much does it cost to own a car? Right. Balancing budgeting literally just you know budgeting. a little like you know Susie Armand a little you know just all sorts of things wrote millionaire next door is a brilliant book brilliant book I once watched this uh, talk by a guy who gave a talk on the 10 dumbest finance books and he included the millionaire next door and afterwards I said <laughs> you didn't read it did you you never <laughs> read it you just thought it sounded stupid because it was a brilliant book it was the psychology of money I have that book yeah and it's like, uh, the other one I read that I enjoyed is Morgan Housel's book, which is- Yeah, which is great book, The Psychology of Money. Fantastic. Then I have it too. to the end and he says, invest 60-40 and everyone gets mad. They thought he was going to tell them some great mystery of, of the universe. He said, no, he has some great points though. That's a very, it's a good read though. I would recommend people read that. Read. It's a very good read. So, um, well, wait, wait. So, all right. So you have, so we're kind of talking about the personal finance, but everything, and you probably know about this, everything that you read from- the elites. What do we want to say? It's all agenda 2030. It's all this 2030 is this magical year. I mean, if you look at Saudi Arabia, they have vision 2030 of what they want to have built. They want to be like an epicenter, Saudi Arabia, uh, Dubai, which I'm very bullish on Dubai and Saudi Arabia, very, very bullish on their vision 2030. Uh, do you think this, this agenda 2030 shtick, like, do you know Winnie Webb? Have you heard of Winnie Webb? Oh, I've chatted with Whitney Webb digitally. 
Okay, so she did One Nation Under Blackmail. Talks about how they're trying to get us into a feudal system. Waiting for her book to come out. On audio. I keep looking. I looked yesterday. It's not out. Because it's a big book, too. Thousand pages for like, yeah, it's crazy. So Wendy Webb is superb at putting puzzle pieces together. Yeah, Doc and I. What some people are critical of is that you don't get a big picture. Okay. But what she does is she said, this guy knows this guy, and this guy interacts with this guy. So she gives you all the puzzle pieces and says, there's this vague image coming out of this. And one of the one of the most interesting ones she says, and this is what I was going to bring up earlier, was when you talk about FTX, you say it was started as a laundering um, uh, you know, facility, scheme. whatever you want to – Yeah, what, what, what was the word? Scheme. scheme. Yeah, sure, scheme. Yeah. Uh, and you probably saw the chart where it's, you know, he started it 12 days after Biden. You see his part. There's like these, this timeline of events. It's all very weird, you know, kind of timing. Well, also what Whitney put together for me was when Sam made these billions of dollars with arbitrage that there's no record of, and you shouldn't question it because he's definitely a billionaire and shut your mouth. The trade of the century was, yeah, right. And then, uh, was right when Epstein died, who's, was had billions of dollars who probably came from uh, Ghislaine's Maxwell's dad, who was a billionaire. So he that Ghislaine's Maxwell's dad was killed, supposedly, allegedly, and then that went to well, Epstein. Fell off Epstein. His boat and right, right, and the, and he was a billionaire. That went to Epstein. He did all his things, and then when he died, all of a sudden, Bankman Free pops up as a billionaire, and she's wondering if those billions are the same billions. Did you ever oh, hear her say an, that? Oh, I've not heard that theory. Yeah. So I thought that was fascinating. Uh, that's a fascinating theory. So Whitney, <laughs> Whitney is a tireless scavenger of connectivities. And and I, 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 the critics I don't buy because I said, look, I don't need – so I, I have a friend who always points to Davos guys and stuff like that. He's got this model of the world. Well, I don't trust them. Very unconventional. But but the problem is, I warned him in the middle of a foursome podcast today. I said, look, you've got a superstructure here that's robust enough that you can hang almost any idea off it. But it right. doesn't mean the structure is correct. Correct. Yes. And and so it's 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 really important not to anneal it into a, into an unbreakable model. And then all of a sudden, everything just, oh, yeah, it must be coming. That's why I like the climate change articles. Oh, too many accidents. Oh, it's climate change. You know, that sort of thing. I know there are people who think that everything that happens in the world is evil well, is climate change. Well, there's a lot of people getting heart problems now because of climate change, which I don't remember yeah. ever happening. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I know. There's, you know, and the athletes are just, you know, smoking too many cigarettes or something. Who knows, right? So, yeah. so um I do think the COVID story is going to open the eyes of Joe Sixpack way more than any other of these issues. Right? Ukraine's not going to get the guys bowling to talk. Right? No offense, bowlers. I like. Them. Um, but 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 COVID vaccines, their dead sister. That all of a sudden now they're hearing. Wait a minute, she died of a heart attack, and it made no sense. And now you're telling me that this is happening everywhere. Now, my Zoom group, one of the lawyers, the, the lawyer who's the point man for the insider, um, the insider uh, lawsuit, which is where uh, if you, as an insider, whistleblower lawsuit, a Pfizer insider is whistleblower. And and be, oh, Brooke the, Jackson. The, I don't remember the name. Oh, and and supposedly that if you do all the bean counting of it. 
You say, okay, so the way it works is the government gets its money back and you get triple. And he says that this, this insider could only in theory, never going to happen, but only in theory is up for maybe $3 trillion. Now, that will never happen. We know that. But, but it still, it sort of illustrates the magnitude of the problem. Now, he says, and in the Zoom group, I used to say, you're not going to sue these guys. You're not going to get these guys in court. You know, they had these cockeyed ideas. But I did realize that the courts are where it could get resolved. Now, imagine you are an anti-vaxxer and you work for a, guy, a company with 15 employees and you got fired. Now you build a case for lost pay. Your opponent is not deep pockets. You're pissed off. Your lawyer gets, you know, does the due diligence, makes the case that you win. Lawyers all around the country, presumably, are starting to do this. They will, through an almost an AI-like mechanism, learn how to win. Sure. Yeah. And then the facts that one of the cases will start being recycled. I, and I that think lawyer that's... will hire associates and say, now nah, we can make some big money. I think that's happening with Remdesivir. I believe. I believe that's. So. Yeah, there's a case and definitely being built like that. I imagine Brian Artis will make a ton of money as a as a as a key witness, right? Because he's and, the guy who figured that out. So 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 the deal is, is you know, those dominoes we start with a little one, and the dominoes get bigger. Yep. You know that I think is what's happening. The lawyer of the whistleblower lawsuit says there are currently sixteen thousand lawsuits in the country now tied tied to the the, the man and they're progressing now now it's been like three years so big time the winds start as they start tagging winds and they are i mean he says we're winning them robert f kennedy jr has a big one against pfizer which i think is at like the state supreme court is very high Pfizer committed fraud their protections disappear correct yes they are no longer immune if that happens and i think that's going to happen anyone who's vaccinating children should be sent to the gallows. If you said this is going to be like the thing that awakens everybody up, and I'm wondering, I th- I always I keep thinking, at, uh, like some event happens, some news comes out, or I hear something, and it's like, oh, now the whole world's going to be awakened. And then, like, I still have friends that aren't, and then I, something else happens, like, okay, now everyone's awake, and then the friends are still in denial. Okay, here's the analogy: bear market. Yeah. Oh. If the market decides to go, why doesn't it just go? I, I saw the market starting to go in 07. It took a long time. It, it was really a, a, you know, a cliff dive in retrospect. But I'm watching this. I'm going, why, why haven't people figured out that this is a colossal mess? But it, it, they, they, they keep standing up and dusting themselves off and coming back for more. And so I think the awakening, it's like if you put a big block of ice out in the sidewalk in the dead of summer. It wouldn't just become a puddle. Take time. Right. And so I think that the awakening will be one step at a time. How many people were awakened when Hamlin fell over in the field a week ago? And then two days later, a basketball player keels over. Old Dominion, I believe, yeah. Yes. And, and, and then you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tucker Carlson just said there are 765 athletes who've collapsed on the field this year. And so I, I, one podcast, I said something about I, I, I try to throw out truth bombs. So I don't even know if they're right. So I'll say Zelensky's doing this, right? It's just my opinion. Everything's my, just my opinion. But someone who thinks I'm nuts will hear me. 
They go, that crazy fucker Cornell. And then all of a sudden they'll read an article and they go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's what that guy said. So I got an email from a guy in um, 2020, I think it was, who I didn't know. And he was trying to get my attention. And he said, um, in the World Military Games, which is the second biggest athletic event in the world, in October of 19, 2019, the athletes all got sick. He was there. He was on the volleyball team for Canada. And he said they all got sick. And here's the weirdest part. He said Wuhan was a ghost town. There were noticeably just no Chinese sort of in sight of the World Military Games. Now, that leads to all sorts. I can see your smirk. You're going, oh, boy, <laughs> I, did they clear the people out, right? Who knows, right? It just brings them questions. Right. It, it, so, so, so I didn't know what to make of it. And he says, I've been talking to Cahotis and this and that. And so he's trying to convince me he's talking to critical people. He is now what I would call a friend. He's Canadian military intel. Huh. And he's got boots on the ground in Ukraine feeding him information back. And he is every bit as confounded as me as to what the hell is going on. We spent a lot of time talking about what's actually happening in Ukraine versus what we're being told. So we're being told that the Russians are bombing the nuclear plant. Yeah. That happens to be under the control of Russia. Yeah, I think Ukraine was bombing it, but yeah. And, shelling and, it. And, and by the way, if you can't hit a nuclear plant, you got to get some glasses or something because they're not hard to hit, right? Broad right. side of a cooling tower is what I refer to it as. <laughs> and so, and then the Buka slaughter had all sorts of craziness associated with it. The bombing of the of the train station looked like Ukraine on Ukraine bomb. And I mean, um, the Poland, the one that went into Poland, I mean, just. Oh, you know. yeah. But we corrected that fast. I think the reason we did is because all of a sudden it was, got real very quick. It viral. Real, yeah, it went fast. And I think all of a sudden the NATO guys called the shots and said, oh, fuck no, T.O., do not run with that one. I Zelensky immediately came on and said we need to retaliate immediately. But uh, yeah, them, yeah. Full NATO attack <laughs> Russia. And all of a sudden the guys were doing this to raise money through FTX. Of course. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I wonder if we're ever if we're ever gonna get to the bottom of the money that went between Ukraine to DNC. That's gonna be very interesting. But two things. That's a dirty, dirty story because people lost like saving. A lot of small guys. I like ask questions like this. They get me in trouble. I said, okay, you lost your life savings, and you found out that the DNC has it and is refusing to give it back. Oh God! What's going on in your head right now? Or Here's another one. Against your will, your daughter comes home. She's 14. You find out she went to California. Got a double mastectomy. Against your will. What are you thinking? Or, or, against your will, your kid gets vaccinated. Dies. What are you thinking? And I'm making a list. This is the point where Douglas Murray's warning about revenge. I go, I'm sorry. I've got some work to do here. I mean, I'm waiting for like a revolution, but people are just taking it. They're just taking on the chin. But there's nothing, there's not a focal point. Yeah. Right. Right. So so when we revolted against the the Brits, we're Mm -hmm. revolting against what I think was the tax 
stamp, the stamp tax or something. And wasn't it only like 5% of the population that was part of that? It was a really small amount of people. Yeah, it was a bunch of rebels. Yeah, it was tiny. But then it picked up speed. That's the risk. So so, uh, mobs, they study people in mob situations. Mobs, your brain chemistry changes. So you're sitting there, you're rational thinking person. All of a sudden you're in a crowd. Your brain chemistry starts getting altered and you be, you think in, in, in mob thinking. Well, and that's how you get people to act crazy. We just experienced this like firsthand. Yeah, exactly. January 6th was some of that, right? Yeah. And some of it's just a bunch of authoritarians playing games with their heads. But, but Ray Epps um, is innocent and please don't ask questions, but continue. Yeah, yeah I know. The Ray Epps story that when, when, uh, when Anthony Blinken, <laughs> Who's another despicable human being? Refused to comment about Ray Epps, right? No, you I had you had Senator. What's her? What's his name? He's from Maryland. Uh, the uh, I forget. But they're they're like they were asking questions like, "What about Ray Epps in the video? Who's saying go into the cap that way? Go yeah, that who's way? Who's he working for? And they're like just pleaded the fifth. They're like give him. They're like he's a good guy. Like leave him out of this. You know, like what? What are you? Ta-? I'm like what? Do you have this guy on camera that's saying the worst things of anybody? What is going on? <laughs> the patriot front what's that the patriot front of these guys who march around in khakis masks white masks shields they look and and oh. guys without masks oh and yeah. they they protest they look like white supremacists yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then you look at them and, and anyone who watches them goes this story is wrong this is just not right at all the, 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 the first thing you notice is they're all the same age none of them have a punch they they can't help but march and stop their flags, so they're all brand new. Everything's new. It's like everything's mid condition. They wear the yeah. same shoes, you know. So it's all military. So, so Joe Rogan, when he saw the video, said, "My God, that's the 101st Airborne." Yeah. So here's where it gets weird. So this year they, uh, so they used to just go around and march around and pretend like they were white supremacists because that's the way you demonize Republicans. Mm-hmm. One Which of them appalls me. Appalls me. But this Patriot Front supposedly. Heads to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. There's a mining town, right? Mm-hmm. It's a mining town. And supposedly to protest the gay rights meeting. <laughs> From all over the country, these guys converge on Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And you're going, look, you know, I didn't realize that, that white supremacists actually gave a shit about gays. <laughs> I think they care about maybe black guys, maybe Ruskies, you know, but gays, are you kidding me? And, okay, how about going to San Francisco then? You got to do it, you know, go big time. But they went to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and I go, okay, so there's, what, six gay guys in Coeur d'Alene? Okay. Anonymous tip says they're in a van, a U-Haul, and they're packed tight. They're spooning in there, so if they're going to a gay rights act, it's like a... Some guys pop their cherries in that van. <laughs> FBI. They get arrested for being in a van. <laughs> that they break. And then they make this big deal of the arrest. And they put zip ties with their hands behind their backs. And immediately, pros tore the thing apart. And our prosecutors and guys said, look, first and foremost, you wouldn't leave them on their knees ever. Because you can go from your knees to a run in a heartbeat you're sitting on your ass or stomach or whatever you're not getting up easy so you'd never leave a a a perp on their knees then 
they honked at him with their backpacks still on. And they put their hands on their backs, and they're still wearing back. I go, no pipe bombs, apparently. With their glasses, with their hats, with their belts, and some federal investigator some said, you would take everything <laughs> immediately. And then, um, and then it, it turns out that, the, again, standard issue clothing, nothing makes sense. And then they show the perps. Mug shots. All these white guys, same age. Some of them look they, like they're not even real. They look AI generated to me. But the thing I know, so these are white supremacists. Out of 20, how many would show some sort of facial tattoo? What percentage? <laughs> well, give me a guess. If you had to guess, winner takes all. You take the pot. Uh, well, how many would have a facial tat of a white supremacist? You, like, you're sitting here like this. You can see the whole thing. How many would have some version of a facial tat? Seventy percent. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> Zero. They were remarkably undecorated. <laughs> I, so then I, you say, of course they're feds. They've got to be feds. The, the most probable thing is these guys are doing some psyop thing that cause trouble. That to me is treasonous. You're stirring up a race war, a civil war. Why are, why are they not sent to prison for years. So, so that, so actually speaking about Yuvalno Harari, just he was on with Tom Bilyeu in an interview a couple days, a few, like a week ago. And he actually says something interesting, which is we need to have leaders that he really said this, he, that we need to have leaders that bring us together and what they're doing, especially in the West is they are finding things that will pull us apart and they're narrowing in on it and going all in on that thing that will pull us apart against the other party or the other half of the country to make us fight. And that's not what we should be doing, but that's what they're doing. They're trying to rip part of the, the, well, the social fabric like now where i know that, the consistency of that model gets you to the technocracy model of patrick wood right where where this whole idea is that sovereign states are the problem mm -hmm. so if you say look at everything we're doing that looks stupid ask the question would it erode the united states as a sovereign state the border crossings you know COVID, where all of a sudden, you know, Ron Paul states' rights during COVID didn't look like a good idea. You got all these governors who are acting like whack jobs. Crazy. And then you look at George Soros, who I like to stay away from in general because he's a garbage can for, for allies. Everything that you can't explain is George Soros. His 1999 60 Minutes interview, which I play on this podcast, is mind-blowing. So if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. It's mind-blowing. What is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm just search on YouTube, 60 Minutes, George Soros, 1999. And they go, yeah, I rounded up all the, the belongings to the Jews. And they go, wow, that sounds like it'd be psychologically like, like just bring you down. Do you need help? He goes, no. He goes, it was no problem. He goes, someone had to do it. Like, what? So, it's crazy. So Soros is using his ample wealth to stir up trouble, clearly. Number one donor to the Democratic Party, hundreds of millions. Well, that alone is stirring up trouble. Um, but he's also supporting politicians at low levels he's not buying he's not buying senators and presidents. no he's no he's actually much smarter he actually found the way to beat the system is to buy the da's that's right. what he's doing that's right so all well, of a sudden now you can go you can create go chaos people you can evict people of things and so so he's buying the lower level and that idea is consistent with the technocracy model that says that you have just regions 
Mm-hmm. So he's trying to he's trying to insert people who will be regional leaders. Yes, he's all about open borders, and he wants Canada. I mean, this is sort of conspiratorial, but there's some UN reports on this. United Nations is totally bought right at this point, but Mexico, the U.S., and Canada would be a regional government, right? The U.S. should right. be a government on its own; right. it should be regional. And in well, my so opinion, the problem the U.S. poses is that we really are what stands between the democracy model and we are. and and. Success. It's true. And so, 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 if you want to put in this new world order, the absolute primary thing you have to do is destroy the United States. You have to some level of the foundation, and that's where Trump really screwed things up for him because they did not see him coming. Yeah, they do seem so like they hate that guy. Yeah, well, I'd vote for him again. That's for sure. Um, I, I'm kind of glad he. I don't think he's going to actually run. Really? I'm kind. Yeah. Seriously? You don't think he's going to run 2024? I just don't. I, I, no, I don't, actually. I, I think... you got to be kidding. Keep, no, I think he's keeping the microphone on him to control the narrative. Wow. Wow, that's the first take I think you're actually completely well, wrong on. I also on. predicted Cuomo would be the Democratic nominee, so you shouldn't <laughs> take me too seriously. Um, <laughs> Wait, do you, do you trust Ron DeSantis or no? I have people I trust think he's great, but I, I'm a little leery. Just because yeah. someone walks the walk and talks the talk doesn't mean they're they're it. I think the Bushes are funding him. He's got some weird ties. That's the only thing. I, you know, the Bush family of secrets or something, right? There's a Bush book, a tell-all. I didn't finish it because it was in a period of my life where I wasn't really yet primed to believe that it's that bad. So I read like, economic, you know, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And I stopped reading that too. And in part, because I thought he's just a bullshit artist. It wasn't what he said was true or false, but I didn't believe he was really there. Right. I I didn't get the sense that he was sincere. And if I read it now, I might go, "Holy shit, he was trying to." Tell you mean? Me. I used to think George Carlin was just a grumpy old man. And God, did he it. did he understand everything or what? How before his time? He he is he, he is he he was a grumpy old man for a reason. He was a genius. He knew it. He knew it. He was a he genius. Was, yeah. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and I refer to Gore Vidal as the intellectuals George Carlin. So Who's Gore that? Vidal, uh, Gore, if you search Gore Vidal, one year I used a bunch of Gore Vidal quotes. Gore, search Gore Vidal quotes. Just go on Google, search Gore Vidal quotes. And he was one of these journalist types, pundits, big-headed guys. And he really was against government power. You would be called, you'd call him a heavily left wing guy, but Gore Vidal quotes. There's all sorts of these pithy quotes where he talks about the power of government and things like that. And so I can just read Gore Vidal quotes for fun. It's just entertainment. So I'm a screwy character because I'm a Reagan Republican. Right. It's becoming clear that Reagan did shit that I don't think Reagan really maybe thought was moral. Right? I thought he's a pretty moral guy. I'm a, I'm a Bush Senior fan. Bush Junior, I think, was stupid. You know who else was a Bush Senior fan, right? You know who's you know whose favorite president was Bush Senior? No. Peter Zion. Really? Yeah. And uh and, and the Reagan thing's interesting because that came after uh Jimmy Carter, which was the first attempt at what's going on now. The first kind of globalist g- group that was behind there, right? And then, you know, the inflation, all that that was all the Carter administration. You're seeing the very same things now. It's kind of the same playbook. It's kind of well, so, part two. So 
I think if, if you ran Carter against the field right now, he'd win in a landslide. Because I think people would say, I just give me a president who I think is trying to get it right. And Carter looked like he was trying to get it right. So are you, are you, I feel like you're saying that like Justin Trudeau, Joe Biden are not some of the strongest leaders these countries have ever had. Is that what you're saying? There's that sarcasm again. Is that what you're saying? Sarcasm leaders just, just a little bit of flicking over here. You, know? you don't think, I mean, you don't, you don't think like Trudeau is a fantastic leader for Canada and the world? Yeah, he's fabulous. Um, <laughs> I think that the leaders of the world have been inserted. And we've inserted people who are just terrible because so that, you know, who's, who's calling the shots in the White House? Do you have any, do you have any sense? So let's say you had to create a narrative. You had to write a, you know, three page essay on who's running the United States right now from the White House, from the, you know, what was formerly, you know, John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon. The Rothschilds. Who knows? So you, so you, well, uh, here's another one that I got from, uh, from a COVID guy, he said, you really know who I think China's in a battle with? And I said, no. Yeah, I do. Who, who, does that, if you talk to a person long enough, they drop their guard and they'll tell you anything. He said, I think it's China versus the Catholic Church. Interesting. What do you mean? And I, well, I started thinking about it. And I realized that don't think of the church as a religious organization. First, you have to dump that idea. So this is not China versus Catholicism. Right. So what is the Catholic Church I'm referring to? Well, for 2,000 years, they have been compounding well. You mean like the 1500s, what happened basically when the printing press? Well, the... so the Catholic Church has been accumulating wealth for literally 2,000 years. So if you walk yeah. down in Ithaca, I can show you real estate that they own, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, There's a secret Vatican they've fund. They've got the world's best art collection. They've got, you know. Yeah. So what you would not want to try to guess accurately would be the wealth of the Catholic Church, right? I mean, we have no idea where all their money is. This is what caught my attention. Yeah. I, I don't think they're as powerful as they were in the 16th century, though. I do think well, they've declined. Relative to their competitors, yes. Yes. But would you be willing to wager that they have less than $20 trillion? Yes, I think. See, I have the, no idea. I would think the U.S. is strong. Well, what's kind of interesting about that 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 competition, China versus the Catholic Church, is you say you're like a non-atheist, atheist, whatever you are. Uh, you just don't know. But you said you did mention something like this, and I also think I'm not religious. I've never been religious. Sure, I did stuff when I was little. Kind of got bar mitzvah and stuff as we Jews do. Um, but I'm I'm agnostic. I play the safe card because right. if there's a God, I don't want to piss him off. So I'm going to go agnostic. When I say I'm an atheist, not atheist, that's not what I mean. What no, I, mean I know. Is, I mean that I don't want to participate, but over the years I've come to realize that we should be very careful about taking away religion. So, okay, that's exactly what I was going to talk about is if there's something that I have learned that has really opened my eyes that I never thought of it before in my entire life since 2020 is that there actually, I believe, seems to be an importance to have some sort of religious religion. or believe in a God or something that you must have. Or we start believing in like dictators or something that's science and it's a disaster. Climate change is a religion for people who think they're too smart. And then people leverage that loyalty for nefarious reasons. And that wouldn't happen if you believe in something greater than a person or. So have you read the true believer yet? 
No, I haven't. That that to me is the top book. So my top book, and it's about half the size of a normal book. It's real easy. And I'll read it this week. 1953, Eric Hoffer, and he explains what we're seeing around the world right now. Brilliantly. You're reading, you're going, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is. It's about mass movements. It's like How the sovereign form, individual. What gives them oxygen? What makes them work? Who are the various players? And it's just brilliant. Some guy begged me to read it about, uh, I was on a long conversation with him. He begged me to read it about six months ago, so I did. I said, holy shit, that, that, that just, that, that formed a foundation upon which to think about the world. It's almost like awe, like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Was right? Awe. It was absolutely awe. You'll get that same feeling with Sovereign Individual. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the audiobook of this one for sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so the Catholic church as a, as a political financial entity would be very difficult to pin down as to what, so let's take, for example, the Catholic, the Medici's, mm -hmm. where their money go. Are you sure it's not now in the hands of the Catholic church? I and mean, don't you think the families like the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, aren't they all, don't they a little more powerful? That's new you wealth. know, that's new wealth. I mean, everything seems to tie back to those people. Like the stop oil movement goes back to Rockefeller. Those people that are protesting, it's all goes back to Gates. It all goes back to Bill Melinda Gates Foundation. It goes Gates, Gates to me is nouveau money. If there's really a dark, oh, he is. thing, yeah. Gates has been invited to the club. hundred percent. And he's a top, top, top like agent, but he's below Soros and Soros is up I there. Read Neil Ferguson's, um, Neil Ferguson's, uh, uh, the Rothschild book. Yeah. I know what you're talking Paris about. Scott and maybe he's a neocon and trying to tell something, but but he basically said the Rothschild money dissipated. So here's what's interesting with the Rothschilds. So there there was a family before the Rothschilds. I believe they were Italian. Their symbol was like a orange. I, I'll get the name. I forget it. But basically, they ran, they were the Rothschilds of 500 years ago, and they lasted for 500 years. Where basically that's the Medici. That's the Medici family. So. I think. Okay, maybe it is. And they lend it to both governments of a war, so you can't lose. Yeah, which yeah. So then they lost. They had 500 years of reign, and then the Rothschilds got it. And then you know when there's all these wars, Rothschilds would you know lend money to the Brits, to the Amer to everybody. They all lend from the Rothschilds, and they're on all sides, so they can't lose. It just so happens right now, where we are at this period of time, today, just so happens to be these families last 500 years. It just so happens we are exactly at 500 years into the Rothschild reign, and there's chaos. And I feel like they're trying to hold on to a financial system that's in favor to somebody, central bankers, that we do not know their names, who have been in control for a long time. And it just feels like to me that somebody who has power is losing grip right now. And it's like tearing apart. And I feel like the peasants are being freed. I, well, either freed or being And that's why I think Bitcoin comes in. That's where the Bitcoin no, story totally makes sense that. to me. I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, are you aware of these hand signals, this, this hand signal like this and like this and this one? Yeah, Are yeah. Are you aware of these? What's this one supposed to be? It's not like when you, well, I know like when, that looks like a vagina. Is that Masonic? Oh, oh, like Freemason or something, right? Freemason, something like that. So I'm yeah. picking that up and I don't pay attention to those things. Um, like Bilderberg yeah, Group. One of those things where it clicks in my head and I go, okay, I think about that. Oh. You know, if I was a, these people love symbolism, by the way. The like the, the whole New World Order people, they love symbolism. So if you look deeply Dude, into all this stuff, Italian and Ukraine too. Yeah, 
But you look at things that are mainline, like symbol stuff, you'll like FTX, right? If you look at FTX, Alameda Research, okay, was the hedge fund that he made billions mm-hmm. off of. If you look at it, look at the symbol of the FBI of, of pedophilia for young boys and pedophilia for young girls, what the symbol is for pedophilia, girls, pedophilia, boys. I know. These symbols, these, 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 it's in the Alameda. It's in it. It's in it. It looks just like it. Have you ever looked up Tony Podesta's art collection? No. So Google right now. Google Tony Podesta art collection. Tony Podesta art collection. You readers who are listening to this, boot it up and start scrolling down. Okay. And you'll start to see some semi-weird stuff. Yeah, well, I want to make sure I, I'll share my screen to see if I did it right. Oh, okay. Oh, perfect. Here we go. Perfect. Share your screen. Hold Is on. this right? Get back to your screen. Okay. So first start that, that, that thing hanging from the ceiling. Right away you go, oh, that's a little weird. And then there's a couple of kids right below it. Yeah. I'll go kids back. over here. So that's getting a little Oh, back. yeah. Look at this. Get, oh, no, my no, God. Look there at this. Yes. What is this? Yeah, but that's not even the worst. Go. What is this? So for anyone listening, it's a bed? So I can tell you, right below that, look at those two creatures. It's children in cages on back of, on back of, um, what is that? They're like, like demons or something. Oh, it is. It's all, oh, children, children on chairs handcuffed behind their back. Right here. They're tied up, like with their like 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 cowboying a chair, you know, like reverse, and you could like see them in their underwear. Oh well, look at this. What is this? It's a yeah. It's someone giving a the child looks like giving a blowjob to him. Oh god. Oh look. By the way, look, is this real? By the way, because that's kind of funny that it's pizza because pizza is a symbol, I believe, of some sort. <laughs> this art is very strange. Where? Oh, oh I read that book. Uh, he, uh, he's a um, he's a Carnegie. No, not a Carnegie. He's a um, yeah. He's wait. Who's the other one? No, no, but you know, Cooper is a, uh, he's part of the, uh, not, who's the other one? Who's the famous? There's Rockefeller, there's Carnegie. Oh, Vanderbilt. He's a Vanderbilt. He's a, yeah, he's a Vanderbilt. Hey, look at this. Look, look at the website. Look at the website. (laughs) It says Clinton Foundation timeline. God. Oh my God. Oh my, it's like, it's like, I feel like I'm looking at Balenciaga advertisements. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where it is. We might not find it. Well, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, oh, it says uh, your 
browsers preventing recording. Just re re uh, uh, reload the page and come back in, and then we'll wrap this up soon. <laughs> All right, so um, we're gonna wrap this up here soon. He's just logging back in. Said it wasn't recording, so hold on. Be accepting me there. now. He's back. All right, you're back. Yeah. Yeah, so symbolism is huge with this stuff, and you see it more and more. Now, I just feel like the internet's breaking so, this so whole this thing wide right open. So this right here, did you see McCarthy do this? Well, uh, the Speaker of the House, McCarthy? Yes. Oh, God. So let, me show you really? what he looked like. let me show you what it looked like. I'm going to stand back here. So he's standing there with a sheet of paper. You can only see my torso. Oh, God. He's got a sheet of paper on the desk, and oh, he's boy. getting the ovation for having gotten the vote. So let's pretend the sheet of paper is so He's holding the sheet of paper. Okay. And then what happened, his hands in his pocket. So his hands are, you know, when, when Merkel does this, you go, well, that's because she's a chicken. She doesn't know where to put her hands. So she's learned to just put them there. He's like this. And all of a sudden he does this. It's so overt. He does this. He goes like this. And then he goes, puts his hand back. Oh, my God. Do you really and think that's. my wife and she said, that's weird. What's that mean? I go, that's a satanic symbol. There is so some go, satanic go stuff. Go search. Go search. McCarthy, you know, satanic, whatever. And he, and it's so overt. It's not one of these things like if he did this, you go, that could be anything, right? This could be anything. But to, to pull your hands out and do that for three seconds and put your hand back in your pocket, that's like saying to your, your team, we won. <sighs> I, a feed so it's interesting. You, you... She was getting a feed into her mic and it, it, it crossed. So, so you asked the question of who uh, who runs like the white who's calling. So I found so this clip. McCarthy this clip has kind of gone. I don't know if it's gone viral, but it came on my. Here, I'll play this for you. you it's very interesting. There, it's the House. Like Gates is speaking, a, and then the person five, who's in charge of the meeting. I'll play right now. You hear in the microphone someone say something in her ear, and she repeats it. Who's running the White House? You, she. Hold on. Is this it? Hold on. Oh, here it is. Here, I'll play it real quick. Here. Yeah, it's very weird. I'll play real quick. To get Republicans elected. She's what? Play it. For a moment, in her hearing, she can hear the guy coaching her what to say. Members are reminded not to engage in personalities against other members of the house. <laughs> she, she was getting a feed. I don't know if that's real or not. I was told it was, but the whole thing's peculiar. He was getting... I don't know how I can find that so quickly, though. I might not be able to find that right now. Oh, no. I don't think you should, Mark. I'll find it later. Um, let's see. Oh, November 16, 2022. Okay. All right. He's going to reboot one last time. We're going to wrap it up here. Last 10 minutes, five minutes, we'll say. Um, 
Let me let him in. All right. Is it working? I don't see your screen, but I think the auto is working. Yeah, I'm not seeing you either. I got a memory signal. I think it's too many pedophile scenes in that last clip that we did. Oh shoot! I probably shouldn't have played it. Well, anyways, we'll 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 wrap it up here. Anyways, that's all right. Um, Says my disc is almost filled. What's going on in my computer that's filling my disc? It's probably just this video for the one once it uploads. It says zero percent uploaded right now. Um, do you have tabs open? I have a bunch of things open. Yeah, um, but like, I never use Chrome, so that that's the part of the problem. I just booted up it, Chrome for the first if you, time. And- if you can close some of them, close some of them. If not, we'll just end it here, just so it all uploads. Otherwise, it won't all upload. Um. Um. Okay. So, last question. Oh, I'll, fuck, I'll say, I, I, don't I don't know if it's going to load. Now, am I going? Okay, I'm hearing you not through my microphone anymore, through my headpiece anymore. That's okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, now my brother's calling me. He's another nutcase. All right, we'll, we'll end here. Where where can people find you um, online or find your... Reading? David B. Column is my Twitter feed. David B. Column. Okay. And then um, I would recommend everyone read your 2022 year in review as well. Pin tweet. Pin tweet. Pin tweet. Cool. And if well, you got to jump over shit, go to Ukraine. It's my favorite part. <laughs> it, is, it is really good. I think it's okay and other stuff. And every once in a while, I nail something. And like I, the, the the Las Vegas shootings, I nailed. I think I did a good uh, FTX collapse story. Uh, I actually left sixty pages of COVID on the cutting room floor. I had a rough draft. I didn't up it. Why? I kind of had this feeling that people were sick of hearing about COVID, and too many are writing. I don't like writing where everywhere I'm competing with others to get the story right. So FTX, I wouldn't write about it, but it happened in January. But it happened close to the deadline, and it was and so I quickly sort of pieced together a story. Um, Ukraine is just no one's writing about it at all because they're getting shut down. So I think by Ukraine, I don't think there's a better Ukraine story out there that I've been able to find. There was no story out there that I look at and I go, holy shit, the guy just took the wind out of my sails, right? There's no story out there. I think my... My description of the Ukraine stories is, uh, is as good as any I've been able to find. All right. Well, when you get more memory on your computer, maybe you'll come back on. We'll do this again. But go check out his Twitter. And um, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. And stay on for one second so I end it. All right. Bye, everybody. Let's see if it will upload.